Um, Roman, I'm incredibly yeah. excited to have you here. I'm <laughs> incredibly excited to have you How are we going to do this? It's, there's so much. That's the thing. I have no fucking idea how <laughs> to do this. And I'm going to be absolutely frank with you, pretty fucking nervous about it. Wait a minute. You've already done this. Yeah. You tell us how to You do guys it. do this every time. We don't know how to yeah, do yeah, but this. Am I proud of my thighs? Do I love them? Do I yeah, love them? Yeah, I love them like a child. Am I proud of them? Am I? <laughs> no, I'm not proud. Would you of go them. to a Chinese restaurant, get a fine dish of chicken, Absolutely. and say those are damn good thighs? But would you be proud of those thighs? No. no you'd say I ate the right chicken. I, I got, got the, the right damn thing. good thighs. Yeah. I got damn good yeah. thighs. Am I proud of them? Have I worked for them? Yeah. Am I proud? I'm not Django. saying I'm proud. You drink huh? a big old glass huh? of whole milk. I imagine you only drink whole milk. You take a big old whole sip milk of that or whole whiskey. milk. Yeah. And you say, you don't say, boy, I'm <laughs> proud of that whole milk. No. no. You just drink the whole milk. But your thighs, I'm proud of your thighs. They're creamy. Crossover podcast, somewhere between the 140th episode and the 141st, where every Tuesday we would normally get a bunch of comic books, but now we're doing something new, and gosh darn it, it makes me nervous. <laughs> I got, I had to put socks on, because I'm clam, I'm a clam man. Every Wednesday we read two trade paperbacks, <laughs> and a stack of Curl up in a ball. Roman wants to talk about right now. Um... Yeah, uh, so we're going to, you hopefully are tuning into this because you've listened to the Infinity Content Podcast, or you're listening to this one, and it's going to pique your interest to listen to the Infinity Content Podcast, but we've run a very special gamut uh, for several months now, planning to do this. We're both discussing the graphic novel Final Crisis by Grant Morrison and J.G. Jones and Doug Monkey. Um... We don't usually do this format. Uh, Roman, you usually do. Yes, yes. Um, so you're our linchpin. Infinity content, yeah. We start off the graphic novel, even a, a impressive tome like this, and basically start with page one and go through it page by page and summarize it and talk about it. So if you want that, check out the Infinity Content <laughs> Podcast. If you want four people bloviating, <laughs> thinking they have the right opinion, you are in the right spot. Justin, I think you've got the start for us. Time. <laughs> no, actually, the first word is light. <laughs> is it? Time, a measurement of movement through the stars that shine light. And with time, there must be change. Right. The birth of time, the separation of moments, and that is delta. We're going to do a lot of editing. That's Ugh. what we're going to do this fucking podcast. Okay, so let's just get into it all together here, I'm curious, what are everyone's feelings about this book? Roman, you are sort of the, the bridge between two podcasts. I love this book because it's Morrison weirdness and it gets into DC history, big cosmic stuff, and kind of the, in the two Superman issues are included, um, really drives home that it's about the power of imagination, the power of stories power behind comics, all comics and film and you name it, poetry, stories. Yeah, that's what I've got sort of for my major theme of this book is the yeah. power of story, trope, and possibility. So that to say, po I also yeah. love this book and I really enjoyed reading it again. Um, and I'm just curious, 
we've got sort of people from all walks of uh, looking at this book right now. So what is everyone else's thoughts on it, Jenga? I uh, I don't know. I've read it like three times trying to like it. Yeah. Ooh. And I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> Do you not like it? I mean, you can you can respect something and not enjoy it, right? For sure. So there I am. Working with Django. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to be one of the dissenting opinions here. I, I feel like it's uh, hard to read and not not as rewarding as I'd like it to be. That said, I've read it three times trying to get there, so you know, it, it, did, it, it caught me somewhere. I do think that it is hard to read. <clears throat> as a practice in general. Um, Wait a minute. Reading. Uh, no, I th- there is something, yeah, there is like, this book is not an easy read, and I think that there, there's a lot of reasons for that that we can yeah. get into. Do we have a Final Crisis historian on the podcast tonight who might be able to tell us some of the some of the reasons that it's hard to read? Um, I don't feel like I it's heard that, that hard to read. I heard that Jeff Figley has a, a certain background on... Yeah, minutia. I have taken acid. That's why. That's why. He has some insights that we've you've researched this a lot more than I have. I I I love this book, and a part of a part of me wanting to put work into it is also knowing that Roman loves this book, and then he comes from a really different angle in most things than I do. But I I think that while he does like some things more than me, and he does not like Naomi. I give I give a things a certain degree of legitimacy when Roman likes them. So, I, in that way that like a month ago I was like I hate Ed Piscard, and then some <laughs> th- that I don't like not liking things. I don't like not liking people. So my resolve was to then look up and watch hours of interviews with him until I understood what I felt, and I turned out I, I really like him a lot. Um, this book is like that to me. Justin, what do you think about Final Crisis? I like it a lot. Um, I was reading it today for the first time. I'm probably, well, th- maybe the third time I've ever read it. And in different headspaces, drastically different headspaces, I read it in high school when everyone was like, Batman died in this issue. So I went back and got what I could and had no idea what the fuck it was about. Um, then I read it again, and it made a little more sense back when I was on my big... Grant Morrison kick when I realized I read Batman and Robin and was like oh Grant Morrison is a name of a writer who does stuff that I like so I went back and read every Grant Morrison thing that I had so is he like the the first time you realized that it was worth following a creator mm-hmm. Grant nice. Morrison was my first guy um, <clears throat> admittedly I like really disliked the Batman and Sun run when I first read it, I was like this is fucking stupid. I had a tough time with that as well I was like man bat ninjas why but um, <laughs> then eventually with R.I.P. and stuff, and I became quite obsessed and read it. Um, and this time, maybe because it's my third time, and you just kind of learn to do the Morrison leap of faith where you're like, it's all just going to make sense at some point. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I really It deals with so, much of the, so many of the themes I think I like Grant Morrison for. Um, ideas being living things. I be, like how ideas become embodied. The war in heaven, I think, is kind of the metaphor for that, how ideas come into the world because um, they're these extra extra dimensional things. So going in it knowing that the people, the new gods, are embodied in human beings in this world right. saved a lot of confusion for me that I did not pick up. <clears throat> and I think that that is indicative of sort of 
the larger, and I don't even want to say problems, but the larger issues that people have with this is that there is a lot of assumed knowledge. There's a lot of like, and I think it's kind of classically Grant Morrison. I think he does a thing and he just kind of assumes that you know what he's doing. And that doesn't work for some people. For me, it doesn't always work, but I also like came into this loving Grant Morrison. So there's this weird amount of trust. So I don't, I don't read a thing that he writes and say, I don't get that. That doesn't make sense. I say like, I don't get that yet. And if I read it again, I might get it. And that, that is a weird like thing that probably isn't fair to art to talk about trying the, the book objectively. But there's a weird thing of when you like a person that much, you know, like if your buddy says he likes a band, you're more likely to like that band than if some stranger says they like that band. Sometimes. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I guess there's a big difference for me uh, between a book and entertainment. Like, or art, art and entertainment. Right. And I feel like I go to comics for entertainment and I'm happy when they're art mm -hmm. most of the time. And I think that this set out to be art more than entertainment. Or that's kind of where it landed, I think, partly because the, like, like you were talking about a few days ago, like the, some of the art stuff didn't translate as intended and, um, the story, it does require a huge, knowledge of the DC universe and characters or an amount of research in order to really yeah, understand the context, context for a lot of the characters. Um, <clears throat> so I like I, I'll be the first to admit that my my hard time with this is as much my fault as it is the book's fault and what what I'm looking for in in a story in a comic. So one thing that I thought was really interesting like getting into this is the version that I'm looking at has the script to it in the back. Um, it's really interesting to me that J.G. Jones is the artist on this book who before this had really only done Wanted with Mark Miller and one other small project I can't remember. It, it, oh, uh, it was maybe something with Grant Morrison, maybe Marvel Boy. He's yeah. like a cover artist and an artist within advertising. Like that mm. is was his tr like field. This is I think the third book that he had done for sequential storytelling, like interior art. And I think that that is one of the hugest detriments of this book in particular, because when you look at the script and you look at what's not being conveyed, um, I think he's a fantastic artist and I think he's not a very good cartoonist. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was just weird to have saddled him. He's in that sort of school of Brian Hitch art, like it's kind of flat. I and agree. The, the, it's very, like the humans are very human looking, but the there's, I don't know. I think there was an era in comics. It was not too long before this, where it was sort of like widescreen, kind of big, Brian Hitch, Ultimates, Planetary, mm -hmm. like John Cassidy, like a type of art that this is this is a part of. And I it think it feels it's, very much like that group of artists. The panel lays out, panel layouts aren't super interesting. They're pretty cluttered. The art is pretty flat. You know, it, it feels just like that list of artists. Like right, they, they like dominated. 2006 through 2009 yeah. that was like what you were getting out of high caliber comics at that point like big focus books what's this about Jeff well I mean Justin Roman so everyone just interrupt me because I've been like waiting to talk about this so I'm yeah I don't want to hear me talk but I do have a bunch of thoughts I but so 
what, yeah, I guess like what is if you were to sort of what's your your paragraph? What is your summary of this book? Like what happened in Final Crisis? Does anybody want to give that a go? I mean, Dark, it's big. Uh, Dark side uh, fell to uh, Earth, and and Roman found out that that is the fallout of oh no oh play, um, but there was a. <laughs> That actually continues directly from um, Death of the New Gods, a 12-issue miniseries by Jim Starlin. Yeah. It came out, like, the year before this. Okay. So this is, like, the... Uh, All right, I'll have to pick forgot, that up and trade. Everybody forgot about because it wasn't really that good. Choke right. that down. <laughs> I think that this is Grant Morrison trying to do the New Testament for the DCU. Mm. He's trying to kind of bundle up a bunch of stories and um, loose ends and telecosmogenesis that makes sense bridging the new world, the multiverse, the fourth world in the multiverse with superheroes. Hmm. So we have all these parallel Earths and all these multiple things, and he's trying to build them into a one coherent system. This is the seeds of what multiversity was built on. And you have fourth world living above them, and they fourth world entities exist in all time frames, all spaces and all times. And this is the story of how those gods fell to Earth and what they have to do with superheroes. So you see Darkseid being embodied. You see all these people getting their human skins and the DCU interacting with these Jack Kirby properties that are above. Like if, if the multiverse is horizontal, this is like vertical and above. Um, so I think I, that that's like a super important part of this whole book is kind of that true detective in brain theory, like the ability and the willingness to try and conceptualize a story that's being manipulated by an external larger story. So yeah, that's really hard to do. And if you're not like really willing to I think dance around with that, you're gonna be kind of fighting it. Right, so fourth world characters aren't on this horizontal plane of parallel universes like the monitors and well, stuff there. They weren't. Yeah, until And then they fell to Earth. They had an internal <clears throat> war and because of that they've fallen down. So Darkseid is trying to use this to create his new genesis and enslave people with the anti life equation. His new new genesis then, right? Right, right. He's trying to remake it he's trying to remake it. the war in heaven is him trying to remake and I only read half of this, but New Genesis or the New God's world in his own image and take take control of the multiverse by like super fucked up enslavement like destroying the free will of every living creature like everyone will become dark side so this is Superman and homies and he's manipulating the Justice League to be off world right so he can can do this so you're watching you know in each I feel like each thing that calls you know, Green Lantern's removed from play from betrayal. Um, Flash has to outrun death. Like, you're seeing kind of trials for the superheroes that take him off world um, so Darkseid can do his thing. And, yeah, and each one of those things play into how they defeat Darkseid as well. Roman, do you have a sort of, like, bam, here's your final crisis? Like, what happened? Because I, I think what is really cool about this book is that um, it's way more interesting to sort of... It's... It's ripe to create your own meaning. Mm. Um, and I think that one of the things that makes this so good is that you can get into the gears and look at what the story is, but I think it works so much better on a sort of metaphorical way and and sort of, I, I, I also liken it to sort of the way that Justin described it as well. Yeah, yeah, that was a beautiful um, <clears throat> overall cohesive summation kind of. I mean, I like that idea of the 
in a way, Final Crisis is kind of like what it's describing as the world tree for right. everything else in the DCU. Um, the, the issues, the two Superman issues, um, when he talks about thought forms and the, the big giant Superman robot slash thought form the one given that Dax reality. Nouveau created yeah. after he found the first inconsistency yeah, within and, himself. Yeah, and that embodying um, hope and everything Superman and Captain Marvel and all the other Supermen embody. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what, hey, Final Crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, very, it's, very good. It's, it's one of the, the main themes I feel in here. And this, it's amazing rereading this, how much of this inspired current DC stuff still. I mean, yeah. I think this is the story that introduced, where Morrison introduced the orrery of mm-hmm. worlds. Um, and then, yeah, just like Justin said, as all that's happening, the new gods, the the ones of Apocalypse have sort of taken everybody off, off the board, but um, ultimately that is all happening as a byproduct of this larger story of the monitors uh, and, and yeah, I guess that that is the part that is, I think, very confusing and difficult to play with, but yeah. it's sort of the big crux of the story, um, is is that the new gods died because of an imperfection in the orrery of worlds that is allowing... Yeah, we find out that the monitors um, are parasitic entities that are living off of the bleed, which is what's created as a byproduct of the worlds. The monitors or the original monitor was? and some Monitors of the- as a race are okay. a flawed thing because as soon as they discovered the first imperfection and were introduced to story, story began to affect it. So there's this amazing quote in here. Um, well, story allows them, it makes them temporal. So exactly. Yeah. So the monitors uh, have been contained through contact with lower dimensions. Uh, and there's this quote of, we who were faceless once, we now have names and stories, heroes and villains, secrets and lovers. Through them, time has entered our timeless world. Um, and because of that, these perfect timeless ideas are now no longer ideas. And yeah, they're... Whatever the original guy is, uh, Dax Novu, yeah. he died trying to encapsulate this imperfection in the orrery of worlds, but it turns out he didn't actually die. That imperfection infected him and he became Mandrak, which is this crazy... Yeah, the worst of the monitors, the, yeah. bas- the vampire monitor. It's the, it's the monitor taken to the extreme, yeah. they say, and it's, which is why what ultimately happens is this book is the dawning of the fifth world. It's the end of the fourth world. And that is men as gods and no longer separated. Uh, and so that's why at the end, Nick Wotan uh, does away with all the monitors. So it's, yeah. that's why it's like the final crisis of the monitors. Right. But yeah, that machine is like a one, is one that like one of the monitors had built because he became fascinated with Superman through yeah. going through the multiverse of worlds and always finding a <laughs> Superman equivalent. So he built this machine as an ode to it. Uh, God, I love that machine because it's set, yeah, it's taken right from the <clears throat> like '50s and '60s crazy Superman stories and Legion of Superheroes stories. Like, oh, we we've got this God machine now, the miracle machine, <laughs> the miracle yeah. machine. I love it. It's yeah, like my favorite part of this, this yeah. story. So I don't know. That, that's. <clears throat> do you want to just like pump this thing open and just sort of jump through yeah. some of the main parts of each issue? Well, yeah. And sort of push through it. 
I just wanted to say, like, reading it in that line of art and entertainment, I I read <laughs> it as the introduction. <laughs> a creation myth, which is like a story of how the DC universe is birthed, and you went and read that as entertainment or art or on like a little literal way. And I feel like this thing is Grant Morrison talking about his artistic process, the way you bring ideas down and how they're once they're embodied, they're imperfect things. Like when you write a story, it's perfect in your head. And so that's why the theme of story and embodiment and like kind of the dissolution of matter is such a big important theme in this is he's like kind of being a monitor looking down at the stories that he's creating as well as showing the struggle of these ideas living in the world. Um, I've got a question. When this came out, how much of this was crossed over? Like, was this a a DC wide big old crossover event? Or was it like a few titles? Because so that's a good question for Roman. I know that there were four miniseries that uh, they were Final Crisis. There was Crisis of Three Worlds, Revelations, um, Submit, Rogue's Revenge. Submit. Was, there was a number of one shots for sure. Oh, okay. But yeah. I don't think this was like a Marvel event where they kind of put a Final Crisis banner on every book. Yeah, I don't remember there being. There weren't <clears throat> big tie-ins across yeah, it. I don't remember that. There was the four, the you know, the one shots and what Justice. I think Christ. I have all the issues if you want to borrow them. I, like, do you? I think so. <laughs> um, I think there's like, Graham Morrison has a quote that uh, I think felt really true to me in terms of this book, but in an interview, um, in sort of talking about what he was getting at here, the, the interviewer says, but still the larger picture here, sun gods, heroes with weapons of light, angels, super cool teens and funny animals joining together to kill a creature of darkness that was sucking the life out of the world, metaphorically speaking, well, uh, I guess that's a pretty big metaphor for what you're wanting to do with Final Crisis, right? And he says, well, your first sentence is a description of everything I love about comics. I just wanted to do the kind of comic that I and others like me want to read. Apart from one or two things, I'm not getting much of what I'm into from mainstream hero books these days. They're all well-crafted, and I enjoy the work of all my old favorites as usual. But even with hundreds of books a month, I still can't find many comics to deliver exactly what I, as a reader and a fan, am looking for from superheroes in these changing times. And that's why I wrote one. Which is just how I feel about superhero comics, and I think how Justin and I sort of always talk to each other about superhero comics, which is like, sure do love all this stuff, but when you get those ones that are, um, there's a type of voice that he writes with that is super uncommon, and I think that the way, yeah, what Justin, what I got sort of what Justin was just saying is like, it's not necessarily entertainment or art, it's like the way that you have a college book assigned to you. And you know that when you're done reading it, you're going to be better for having read it, but it's you're not necessarily excited to. Is kind of how I approach it. <laughs> you're like, I got to put work into this, and I know it's going to be good for me to do this, but it's not a thing. Like that's sort of how I think about them. Yeah, I was kind of laughing out loud at like how absurd and stupid and ridiculous this book is if you're like not just completely suspending 100% of disbelief and meeting where it's at. I was like, this is I, this is why I love comics. Only comics can take something like this when you're reading like about cosmic arteries and these shiny crazy gods and all these crazy things. Only comics can do it. And specifically, mainly superheroes can be these symbolic things that are talking about an artistic process, but also about this fantastical story and also a very personal story of someone dealing with losing his wife. You know, they can be these polysanient things and you can only get that when you have 
art and story mixed. And I was laughing at like trying to read this in word form as a novel would be absolutely. <laughs> they did one. There's really? a novelization of this. Yeah, there was like a book on tape that I listened to the first like 30 minutes of a couple of years ago. Uh, there's a company trying to do audio, you know reinterpretations of these and like to hear this novelized I was like well I am getting more information but right. it's like it's, it yeah. probably sounds like word salad yeah uh, yeah so I, I was laughing at like this is so this would be the dumbest thing ever if it wasn't the best thing like you have to meet it exactly where it's at and try to understand kind of the layers of what's going on um, in terms of a conversation in comics, like this is so much Jack Kirby in it. It's so much the DCU. It's super <clears throat> a love letter to Jack Kirby. It's like yeah. the biggest sort of honoring of Jack Kirby I've seen in a comic. But I guess that makes sense as it's like the fourth world was Jack's thing. Well, it's let's... got mythic logic is what I was trying to say. Like you mm, can't yeah. think about it in the terms of just like this is a story to entertain or to give you a plot. It's like it's kind of trying to teach a lesson so I think that we should, yeah, start moving through it. And I think that probably you guys on Infinity Content did a good job of probably accurately assessing what is going on in this story. Yeah. Um, and I'm less interested in us doing that just so there's not two podcasts doing the same thing. Right. But I am interested in just sort of like what we read out of each sort of issue of it or, or what sort of was happening to us. Because I certainly don't think that I have the right answer of this. But I think that what's great about this is there is not a right answer to it. Right. Well, was one question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had right in the it's beginning. gonna be a two-hour podcast. I was trying to get to talk about yeah. Final Crisis. Um, was um, what's his name here? The guy at the staff, the villain. Um, Libra. 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 He was introduced before this, wasn't he? Yeah, he's like an old villain. Oh, I can. Oh, okay. Because I thought he was a fairly other than that one appearance in the seventies. I thought he was a fairly okay. new villain. Yeah, at this I just point. know the seventies appearance. Yeah, yeah. So Libra's assembling these villains, and they're up to no good. They're up to no good. <laughs> Uh, but Libra's a weirdo. Libra's a weirdo, and he's trying to take over like the super club of villains, or what yeah. is it? It's like you know your your third tier. Yeah, I forget their Legion of Doom. Because yeah, it's not the Legion of Doom. It's not the is it Secret Society? Yeah, yeah, the Secret yeah, Society. Yeah. yeah. So this issue, the first issue starts with um, Anthro, the first boy, yep. just chilling. Which I, I I would have liked to know that that was Anthro. It didn't. Yeah. I don't think it ever really. Tells I would like you to see like an annotated version of this. There are. With there like are. Okay. <laughs> acetate um, lay overlays. That would yeah. be good. Well, and that's again a big part of the problem in, in this series to me is is the art. Like at the end of this first issue, so at the beginning, Anthro sees Metron, and Metron says, Here is knowledge. And he gives him the metaphor of Promethean fire, but it's also yeah. actually a name in the New Gods world that I forget, but it's it's a particular fire that Jack Kirby created. Um, at the end of this issue, we're seeing Commandy show back up to Anthro. And in the script, it specifically says, it's important that this is clearly the same spot that Metron showed up. And there's like, not There's no really indication of way. that. And that's just one of like a hundred instances <laughs> yeah. in the first issue. In fact, of yeah. information not conveyed. We're like, after Metron gives Anthro fire, we're taking to this scene of a bunch of Neanderthals fighting one another, and what's important is that that's Vandal Savage, and his clan of the bear or whatever is fighting the clan of like the deer or the clan of the bat or something. Um, and then, like several pages later, you know, Vandal Savage shows back up in this club of villains because he's the yeah. immortal villain. But you don't really have a way to connect those two no. visually. But yeah, no. if you don't have. 
and, DC history like we do, you don't know that's Vandal Savage. And even these pages here of like a person pulling somebody out of this, it says very specifically like, make sure Vandal Savage is the one pulling this person out in this way, approaching the like chieftain. And there's just, oh. there's a lot of stuff that I think I don't, and so Justin, you've probably read more comic <clears throat> scripts than I have. Yeah. I have to assume there's a lot of stuff that gets lost. Um, but there seems to be a <laughs> Ideally lot not lost. that much lost. Um, <laughs> you know, I have had people do sketches and stuff of what they think is going on, and there is some loss. But he's talking to Vandal Savage. Libra is talking to Vandal. He addresses Vandal Savage in the, yeah. in the room. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like it's very deliberate, <clears throat> and it should have been conveyed that this is a flashback of Vandal Savage and kind of the hoarding of knowledge and what it does. I'm really... I did not realize until you said that that, that was Vandal Savage, yeah. which is a totally another layer of context that could have been fleshed yeah. out. It's see on the very on the very here, yeah. yeah on the very first page actually it wasn't until halfway through reading the collection that I realized oh first page that's Dark Side falling. I thought it was I thought it was Orion. Yeah, right. Next time we see a new god, it's Orion laying there. He's just fallen to earth, and he's all burnt. Supposedly, yeah. here's yeah. here's <laughs> another interesting thing about this first issue. The uh, so. Metron gives Anthro fire, and then our transition from prehistory to the modern day is through fire, right? Like the detectives lighting a cigarette after we see the fire burning. Fire is a huge people. metaphor and then, throughout the whole series. And yeah. then they kill John Jones with fire, mm -hmm. right? Um, I didn't notice that that was all related oh, yeah. on my third read-through. <laughs> and, and Barry running through time trying to outrace that bullet, and he's often kind of on oh, God, electrical we'll fire. There. Oh, I'm so excited for that part. I love the whole thing with the bullet. Oh, the <laughs> bullet is one of my favorite parts of the whole thing, and the divine comedy of Darkseid committing suicide. Um, so, yeah, the, like Django said, uh, using fire, we're transferred to Dan Turpin. Justin. Sorry, Django Roman. Who knows who this guy is? I don't, but he's I an don't. old character, oh, right? But I like yeah, he, him. He's an old Jack Kirby character. I, I'll abstain. I'm going to let Roman take this one. Yeah, and like that's why I'm so glad you're here is because there's so much that I don't know, and I've just sort of read and tried to gather from a whole bunch of different places and of kind of what this is, but you were there for all of it. Yeah, he's and I don't, rem I don't know if he showed up first in New Gods. I'm going to assume maybe so. Um, but yeah, he's this... Rough and tumble, some people would say he's kind of based on Jack Kirby, just this rough, tumble, really tough guy, normal human uh, detective. Um, used to be around a lot in Kirby's books, or at least one one of the series in the 70s. And then he kind of disappeared for a long time until sometimes in the Superman books in the 90s. I and, want then, to and then to this. Get his own book. Yeah. yeah. And then this, which I think, well. I won't say any spoilers yet. By the way, we're going to have spoilers. Oh, yeah. If you haven't read Final <laughs> Crisis, this isn't the way to read Final Crisis. <laughs> yeah. You should read Final Crisis and then listen to this, and maybe it will help, possibly. Yeah. Spoilers in this episode are sponsored by Jeff Ryan Figley's <laughs> uh, Barbecue Sauce Delivery Service. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't warmed by Jeff's hands, it's, not it's hardly sauce. <laughs> Um, but what Dan Turpin discovers is the dead body of Orion, the new god. Well, the almost dead and then dead body of Orion, the yeah. new god. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the son of Darkseid. Favor yeah, really absolutely. And can I that? help you in some way? Yeah, I, I just need help with something. Really yeah, cool. yeah. Can I <laughs> what? be there I can't, for you? What's the detective's name? Dan Turpin. Slower. Dan Turpin. Turpin. I love oh, the that, name And that's Turpin. another thing. I, I brought for, for halfway through here, I brought us a big old fat, juicy duber. 
to light up. Doobie doo. Django's first doob trip. It's a doober. Exactly. It's 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 the final crisis magic. Um, and after finding Orion, Dan Turpin. Uh, <laughs> I just like nineteen. 19- 60 whatever when Kirby's like what would a cool tough guy's name a timeless be? tough uh, yeah Dan Turpin that's it that's yeah. gold Turpin sounds like a turtle yeah, yeah. it's Turpin time <laughs> so yeah like Green Lantern show up and they're like this is no good we got a dead new god not even just an old god a new one and then uh, Django this is a particularly Django sing scene in oh, the garbage yeah. dump yeah well <laughs> sorry I was mostly thinking that those villains felt super Giffen and Dematius to me uh, uh, yeah. Sorry. Also, it's garbage. <laughs> the, the garbage. Yeah. The Mirror Master, um, Grant Morrison got to play with an Animal Man like number two or three, which was another book that uh, he ended up talking a lot about story in Animal Man. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, oh, Dr. Light. Oh, gosh. But in this Still scene, Dr. Light yep. and Mirror Master basically go to charge uh, Metron's chair with sunlight, which is what it requires to run. And upon doing so, uh, they acquire it somehow. And it goes to Libra, who is at... Where? Not the best scene transition I've ever seen. No, and also, like, this whole... The girl of fighting for it, when you read the script there, it's just very, very different. Like, I, I only have the script to one issue, and... I would love, I couldn't find script pages to the other six issues of this series, but I would love to read it. Like we have them, they don't, it's like, okay, we got the chair, but then the scene ends with him like stepping on her face, and then Libra in the bottom panel in the chair. Like they don't bring him the chair, he's just in it. It's a strange, strange way scene transition. Is there a time jump as well? Possibly, yeah. There's got to be some. Yeah, yeah. You got to get that chair there, baby. But he's just making propositions to this bad guy crew, saying, "Hey, you know, he's not saying Darkseid's name overtly, but he's saying, I'm Libra. I'm here to even the scales. You know, the time of evil's triumph is upon us. You can join us, or you'll die. And if you join us, we'll give you whatever you want. And to demonstrate that, what is his name? The Human Flame. The Human Flame. He gives the Human Flame what he's always wanted, which is to kill the Martian Manhunter. Yeah, with flame." Does everybody know that that's Martian Manhunter's weakness? Apparently. And also, they just <laughs> killed a really important member of the Justice League in one panel. That with no discussion. That shocked me and pissed me off when I read this issue the very first time after it came. I was like, "What? They yeah. can't do that to John." Yeah, you you see one panel of him being dragged in the door, and then he's burning and he's dead. And I like how this fire dude in the background so thrilled by the whole thing. <laughs> He's getting off on it. And the weird, like, halfway through this scene, we get the shot of the human flame, like, using his cell phone to, like, right. videotape it or something. Like, Yeah, he's taping it. That there's just, I, okay, I guess that that's how it goes to news channels because there is a whole funeral for John. The faces on this panel when they're filming it <laughs> are so bad. Yeah. Lex, hmm. <laughs> but that super high-tech cell phone in 2008. Yeah, and Vandal Savage, he looks cross-eyed behind him. I like the fact it's a flip phone, because it was 2008, but also the fact Human Flame, yeah, he'd have a flip phone. Yeah, <laughs> he's on prepaid. Uh, and after this, we're sort of seeing some news broadcasts of what's going on in Bloodhaven, which is where Command D is beneath ground. And Bloodhaven is basically uh, the staging grounds for Darkseid and, you know, the, the whole crew that he's got uh those peoples. It. And it's where Nightwing hangs out. It's also where Nightwing hangs out. It also got nuked. It got nuked. It got nuked. So then we go to this club here 
where Cl- the club dark side. Club dark side, and this is something that is a big part of the Seven Soldiers of Victory run. Dark side possessing boss dark side is a very big okay. part of that. All right, yeah. so I'll get the trade paper back of that too. Yeah, got the issues <laughs> if you want to borrow. Them. I got the issues. Fucker. I know a guy with the issues. Uh, I'm missing one. Probably got it. Which one? You do know that they're all four, right? I don't you tried remember. to tell me they were all three recently. Oh, then you should have been. Missing. <laughs> um, Dan Turpin. Dan Turpin. <laughs> talks to Boss Darkseid, gets real ooked out by him. Um, and a bunch of kids, which is what, what he's actually looking for is the disappearance of several kids. And he finds these kids here, and Boss Darkseid's being a real creepo. Cut abruptly to what Grant Morrison described in the script. The script is what he wanted to be the largest scale zoom out that comics have ever seen. And it's not. And this is what we got. And it's not <laughs> bad. This? Yeah. Of the Earth? Huh. Yeah, okay. he said, like, start with Superman's face and slowly zoom out of the Hall of Justice to the continents, to the wow. Earth, to seeing Earth cap, like, yeah. in a prison by the Alpha Lanterns, and no being can join or leave the Earth. Well, that like, would have been cool, but there's, yeah, there's no sense of motion. Butt, there's no there's sense. There's a robo butt right there. Yeah, there's there, no sense sure. of zooming out at all. I mean, technically, it does go out to that point. Right. Well, technically, but yeah, the panels are static panels. It's kind of ungraceful. Yeah. Though it is a really cool job. The, GLs have encased the earth Ooh, nice. in a in a in a uh, <laughs> in a big um, Green Lantern turpin energy net, net. a yeah, turpin net, big yeah, old turpin net. And uh, then we sort of get taken to the Ori of Worlds and the monitors, and this is where we sort of get introduced to the actual crisis that's going on here. Uh, this is we're a beautiful page of the first appearance of the Warrior of, of Worlds. Form of, glass of a water, shape of a turpin net. <laughs> a turpin net. <laughs> and what we have here is we learn that Nix Uotan, who was the monitor of a planet where everything died, uh, was stripped of his duty. And uh, I just smile because I love that name. Nix Uotan. Nix Uotan. Yeah, it's very, very good. DJ Nix Uotan. DJ Nix. Um, and... Uh, He's being banished to be sent into the Orrery of World, into a planet where he will no longer be a monitor and no longer have the memories. And he will not be with his love, Ouijadel. Um, and, you know, they would never have been in love if the whole race hadn't been corrupted by story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have this shot here of Roxagama, I think is his name. Roxagama. And this is a panel that never made sense to me ever in my reading of it, but its <laughs> he's got his hand and he's sort of whispering and it's supposed to be a reference to Silver Age comics when bad guys would look at the camera and talk to the camera. And it's supposed to be this meta statement that is just like super not conveyed. Yeah, because uh, it looks like he's talking to somebody that the, the page got cut in half and he's talking to somebody off screen instead of the reader. <laughs> It's yeah, and I didn't get that until you to- you'd explained that to me. And I only got it because the script explained it to me. <laughs> Just at the end here, we see Anthro one more time, and he's drawing this symbol. It looks like the symbol that Metron gave him at the beginning of the issue. And out of nowhere, uh, Commandy shows up from Command D, and it's got the Commandy world as depicted on the first issue of Commandy. And it's saying Metron gave you a weapon against the gods. We need it now, which is actually a kind of huge answer to this whole story um, that you wouldn't get until you've read it several times, but that symbol, that circuit, is the new god language, the, the new god word for freedom of oppression or freedom from like oppressive so it's, ideology. It's the life equation. It's the yeah. life equation. It's, it's, or it's the extreme um, prevention of anybody having control over you. Mm-hmm. 
And then we wake up to Nixuotan waking up here. That's issue one. Uh, I promise I won't complain about the script in because uh, I don't have script pages for anything out of there. But <laughs> I love this book. But I just it was very apparent to me that there is a lot not being conveyed here. The number of things that you just had to clarify because you read that one issue two times, once with pictures and once without, <laughs> is fucked up. Yeah. Like for an editor to let that be printed is criminal. And like that that's not fair to the reader and it's not fair to the writer. But it's also I enjoyed this book before knowing any of that. I didn't. <laughs> and that's super And I fair. might enjoy it a whole lot more if any of it made any fucking sense. Like if, if any of the connections that Grant Morrison wants you to make were possible to make <laughs> right. yeah. at all. Like there's you without that script. There's no way you would know that this guy is Vandal Savage. And I agree. that's garbage. And it's there's just... no way you would know that Anthro is in the same place. Is he in the same time? Like, yeah, is this a few in, days yeah. later? So well, was yeah, Anthro see, hanging out in the same no, time the, as the way Command I interpreted D? interpreted that is that since the the world, the great, the great disaster and the half-submerged uh, Statue of Liberty behind him, mm -hmm. there's some kind of... Um, Apes. <laughs> yeah. There's some kind of uh, time meld there. So you see... Commandy's world kind of flash into view behind Anthro's world, allowing Commandy to come there. Exactly. And, Planet and of the Monkey. It's, it's just like an unseen portal mesh. And that's <laughs> Dark Side pulling our reality into a black hole, and mm -hmm. as such, time and space collapse. So moments of time were running into each other, occupying the same space. Cool. Show it uh, better. I agree. Yeah, like, exactly. like I agree with it's, you. it's super confusing. Yeah. Like, now now imagine be... when people were trying to read this as the individual issues as they're coming out. Because I remember a lot of people, I mean, they were dropping Final Crisis and all this. They're like, this is terrible. This is awful. God, I hate Grant Morrison. And yeah, it's really unfortunate. I don't fair. Because I was reading them, but I was guy, still and I still wasn't catching on. I was, I was reading it more out of faith because I was like, I don't know what's happened until we got to the Superman I don't, I don't think it's Grant Morrison's fault. But, no, no, it's not. But, yeah, I don't. Like I, think, said, the, I think it would be an unapproachable <laughs> story and probably an, not a huge seller or massively popular book, even if it was more fleshed out in the art, you know, because it is such a cosmic, big, you know, talking about ideas and such a meta book. It would probably, and they have a spaceship fueled by music, it would <laughs> probably be not a super widely reached book, but it does seem like there are some essential parts of the book that... You know, I re read this book in a way that I like. I'm not trying to figure out something exactly. that makes logical sense. I'm trying to get like a, a higher meaning or a, a overall moral or message from it. Um, so I'm pretty uh, willing to like, oh, okay, this part doesn't add up like a story should add up. But or um, like even the idea that. I don't believe that I didn't get out of it what I was supposed to. Like, I right. might not have gotten exactly what he was thinking, but the fact that, you know, three years ago, Justin and I were, like, you know, <laughs> chain-smoking cigarettes in a car talking about what Final Crisis was about yeah. <laughs> is a pretty successful execution to me, even in spite of all the flaws. Like, I don't think a thing should be immediately evident. Like, Mr. Right. Miracle's ending. I think the ambiguity of that allows it to be a discussion piece for a long time, and I think this whole thing is a bit of that ambiguity. It does seem like legitimately there is a very tight-knit story, which, you know, Jeff and I would always defend it and say, oh, there's something there, even if none of us get it. Um, but it seems like there was intentional pieces that would make this a lot more of a coherent read that were just Also, J.G. Jones 
before this had been diagnosed with some manageable type of cancer. He's still dealing with it. He yeah. just got out of the hospital and a couple he, days like, ago. he quit comics for a long time right after this because of it. And yeah. Doug Monkey came on to pick up some of that slack. So like, yeah. I also can't beat him up because like, right. nature's doing that to him. Like yeah, he, right. he did all of this while managing, a, you know. Well then we can beat up the editor. Himself. Yeah, I think yeah. it's an, an editorial part. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, I know it sounds like I'm just shitting on this over and over, and I don't want to. I, I don't want you guys to think that I hated this book. I read it; it was too dense for me. It felt like work. But don't don't come at this this discussion like you have to defend it to me because I think that anybody who picks it up who's not a huge comic nerd has has a chance to really dig this in a different way than I dig it. And uh, so don't feel like you have to, you know, don't at tell Django. me why it's why it's good because I don't hate it. I, I just didn't enjoy reading it. I don't it. feel like that, but I think that <laughs> the large the large consumer audience for it doesn't like it right. uh, and is confused by it. And I think that's totally fine. It's like but, the honeydew melons are pretty good. And if you get a Christmas melon, it's a lot like a honeydew melon, but it just doesn't, it's not as good. And it like... It's all all the parts are there, but it's it's not what I want. I don't mess with a melon in general. I like a melon. I like a honeydew more than a cantaloupe. I won't. I won't. Yeah, I can't. It's nope. not an issue of cantaloupe. <laughs> it's an issue of won't. Issue two is basically the introduction of the Sunny Sumo Japanese uh, Super Friends team, which I actually really like. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think of the Super Young team? I like them, and I like that costume. Where you know, have they been all Grant about? Morrison's life? Like, <laughs> I, I'd read this comic every week. And, uh, and then the other thing that happens in issue two is that the Alpha Lanterns show up, quarantine oh, the area with them. a new gut, yeah. Uh, and they're kind of menacing. That's what, why I love them, they're scary. What happens is they find a bullet buried underneath the body in concrete. Batman shows up, is real wary, and what he realizes is that the lead Alpha Lantern, Kraken, is actually Granny Goodness parading as this... Uh, Parading as an Alpha Lantern. And Batman, she, you intuitive motherfucker, god yeah. damn! She kidnaps him and sends him off to the dark side camp, and then what happens? Oh my god! The Flashes are running around and they fucking see the return of Barry Allen! Whoa! <laughs> that's not something you see every day. No, it's not. You don't even see that in like a 20 year span. My dead friend! What's up, dude? Hey, my dead friend and, and partner. I, and I love what he, it's just Wally, Jay, everybody, run! Yeah. And then it's okay. Wait for next issue. <laughs> So some issues are a little bit more like groundwork. Issue two was was more that. Um, Those are the issues I like the most. Feel like, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this issue was good. You got some plots set up in a way that seems, you know, familiar. You're seeing things move and happen, and you got Batman doing cool stuff. I gotta say, Batman, you gotta hand it to him. He is willing to just punt. Dis to accuse a robotic space cop that they I may be a you. yeah you may be a reincarnated old lady from a higher dimension in this body I'm gonna punch you I got my eyes on uh, you yeah and he Granny. just he just goes and punches an Alpha Lantern like he's a man he's yeah a Batman, and is it all but, just because he recognizes the symbol on her palm as right the like Omega symbol or something and yeah just, she like, recognized the lantern like she punched a lantern and like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but batman just goes for it. he's like i'm just gonna fight this robotic girl who i have no idea how powerful she is i'm <laughs> yeah. just gonna start swinging that's I, there's respect. a lot of moments like that in this issue i i love early on when it has a rising sun 
who's an older um, Japanese superhero, and he's just ranting and railing against the super young team and being all these celebrity <laughs> wannabe superheroes that don't do anything, and he's just going off. You kids get off my lawn, baby. I think that's a kind of big undercurrent in Grant Morrison's work is sort of the second generation having a dialogue with the first generation. Yeah. You know, like the the changing of the times and the changing of the guard having a relationship with one another is, is a very Grant Morrison thing. We also see uh, some dead tigers and <laughs> what are these guys? Mad, oh, these um, dark side? Um, uh, Simeon and Mac Macari? Yeah, yeah, Macari. Yeah. We see basically a, a real shady, bloody place where glorious Godfrey is and Dan Turpin has been taken to and Batman's been captured and there's just a lot of bad shit. Also, the Daily Planet gets bombed and it's Clayface pretending to be Jimmy Olsen and it's an extension of Libra controlling a situation to get Superman off the board. Yeah. And apparently the new gods have captured Commandy? Command D? The Co place? No, the dude. No, Commandy himself. Oh. He's, he's in the yeah, prison there. Yeah, Darkseid has captured him. Ooh, I didn't even notice See, that that's, that's Commandy. That's what makes me wonder if that's covered in another book because that's like all of a sudden... Commandy is stuck in this prison. Yeah, and the last time we are. saw him, he was hanging out with Anthro. And yeah, the, I'm saying the same know, the thing last about issue. Metron gave you a weapon, and he's still saying that. I no think he's listening. bouncing through time and space is almost my thought at that point. Like yeah. He's just showing up at places, and he's saying this important message. Is how I would interpret that, but I don't know. Yeah. As with much and much, much of this. Um, yeah, and we see the Black Racer chasing Barry Allen, which is an important part of this whole story, the Black Racer, who I didn't know anything about. Yeah. And I remember talking to Roman on a podcast about a year ago. Yeah, about the him. Black Racer is the um, the embodiment of death um, in the new in the fourth world, in the New Gods universe. If he's coming for you, you're doomed. I love the scene where Jimmy Olsen talks to Lois and then gets in the elevator and turns into, like, Clayface. Yeah. That's, that's a good panel. It's like an ooky, ooky panel. Like I said, he's not a bad artist. I just think no. he's a bad cartoonist. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's Storyteller. Um, in issue three, cruising through here, we've got uh, Frankenstein and the Agents of Shade investigating um, the bunker that the bad guy crew was hanging out in, uh, the Dark Side <laughs> Club. And as that's happening, uh, through some sort of lightning, uh, a Supergirl from another world has fallen to Earth, and yeah, in German, German she's saying the sky is bleeding, which is very scary. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, in, in a way that I shouldn't. But. Oh, Justin, <laughs> dirty sky bleeder. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> Black Racer is really cool. He's great character design. Love him. I do like the way, and I don't know if J.G. Jones came up with this or if this was the way the racer was being drawn at the time, but... Before, like in Kirby, would draw him like kind of like the Silver Surfer. It's a guy on skis. Mm -hmm. The way it's drawn here, it's, it, the skis are his feet. I mean, his ankles just become skis. Yeah, <laughs> and that's pretty cool. Um, gosh, we've got Nick Suwoto has been fired from his burger job because he keeps showing up late. <laughs> um, we have the Flashes. Well, Wally recounting to Iris and the other Flash family that he and. Wally found Barry and slipped into the time stream with him, but he messed up his knee and fell out of the time stream into the present. Um, that's a big Don't part you of this. When you do that? Oh, every time. <laughs> uh, we cut to a scene of Libra hanging out with the human flame, and he puts the anti-life helmet on him, and he immediately sort of submits to the dark side will. And this that might have been a nice nod, too, because this, this panel at the top of that page with the, um, the skull headquarters of the Legion of Doom... 
that this might be the first time that was shown like mm. in continuity in a modern DC oh, book. Nice. Yeah, because they made a big deal about it in the recent Scott Snyder Rebirth run yeah. as being the first time that was a part of. But you're right. Yeah. This is clearly before that. So is is the uh, the previous issue where they zoom out? Is that the first time we we've, we've seen the Hall of Justice in oh, the main universe? Because I think that Could that be. same run was the first time they showed the Hall of Justice as well, like Rebirth. But obviously they're doing it here. First time you see that big robot butt too. That Alpha Lantern butt. Yeah. <laughs> you want um, a big part that happens after the Human Flame falls under Libra's spell is that he pressures Lex Luthor into surrendering to him, and Lex begrudgingly does. And that's a big thing. That's a big old mm. thing. You see Lex Luthor's desk? It's just a giant tree. It's half a tree. <laughs> yeah. It's just a big old cut of a tree. Yeah, that guy is not a guy who submits often. No, that's a quietly tree right yeah. there. <laughs> uh, and then we see Superman in the hospital with Lois Lane, and he is using <clears throat> his heat vision to keep her heart alive because it would stop otherwise. Yeah. Uh, the Alpha Lanterns Somehow, are... I don't know what... It's just one of those cool just science, yeah, science. Yeah, super you know, science. You see 101 Dalmatians when he rubs the dead puppy back alive. <laughs> you know, it's like that. Is it the live action one? No, I, no, no, God, no. God. <laughs> Disney. What would that Disney, look like? Uh, Hal Jordan's being doing that puppy interviewed by people. This is significant because Aquaman is back. Aquaman has been long missing at this point, and this is the first appearance of the return of Arthur Curry. Oh. Did wow. Grant Morrison not know that. that he'd been off the table for he a while? He did. He was, there's many instances in this story where somebody's like, well, yeah, why didn't you do something with that? He's like, I just I brought him back to let another writer do something with. Huh. <laughs> um, there was a lot of moments where he was like, yeah, I wanted to bring this back at this moment so other writers could sort of take the reins with it. So you kind of glossed over the scene with Superman because yeah. uh, the end of that scene has someone show up and tell Superman that he's got to leave right that minute to mm -hmm. save Lois. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of launches the Superman specials. Yeah. Which yeah. are my favorite. For sure. Um, Green Arrow, uh, Alan Scott assembles the Justice Society because a bunch of bad stuff's going on and it's mounting. Sonny Sumo has a run-in with... So this part kind of confuses me. Um... But Sonny Sumo gets attacked, and, and that sort of, whatever that, this team of superheroes gets attacked by a bunch of anti-lifers. <laughs> um, and uh, they've got their helmets, and they attack those folks, but they escape. So I guess that's kind of the bonding moment of the super team squad folks. Oh, yeah, when, and they've... Uh, when Sonny Sumo meets with... Um, Shiloh? Shiloh Norman, oh, yeah. The, that's the Mr. Miracle. Third Mr. Miracle, But he's yeah. not in his costumes. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah. realize that was him. And then we have Wonder Woman in Bloodhaven, and this is a big, big thing. Wonder Woman in Bloodhaven, she's going to check it out because this place is kind of ground zero for a lot of the bad stuff that's going on. And she runs into Mary Marvel, who has basically just become head-shaved, bondage Mary Marvel. Wearing a helmet with pigtails instead of a ponytail. And I believe <laughs> what is going on here is that's Desaad. Yeah, yeah. Desaad. Yeah. One, one of the apocalyptic new gods. And Desaad uh, cuts her and yeah. cuts a vial open. And in doing so, she becomes the carrier for the Morococcum virus, which I believe is a virus that takes away people's superpowers. But more than that, it's what ultimately will cause her and three other big superheroes to become the female Furies. That scene has another thing I have a really hard time with, which yeah. is giant dogs that you can ride like horses. Yeah. You don't love that? I know I that don't you're kind of out by dogs. I, I don't. Can we unpack that? How did they get the dogs that big? Yeah. Who did that? Anti because up until this point... The Atom? Sure. But is, has he been... 
I don't know in here, but those guys in armor but in and, real the, and life, the giant dogs giant <laughs> are the Atomic Knights, which are in the old continuity are from one of the many alternate futures where some horrible thing has happened. Dogs are real so big, they're, so they're mutated oh, yeah. dogs. Like a place where people grow long hair and thread it through helmets. Well, yeah, gravity is much heavier on Apocalypse, and, and dogs have to be strong. From radiation. They're real hungry, <laughs> so okay. their bones are big. All right. Yeah. And um, I don't want to talk about why I don't like dogs. <laughs> Makari um, uses the internet to release an email that is sent all over. I love this sort of 2008 internet. Uh, yeah, you know, like they oh, release no. an email and text messages that are going to open themselves. What's this key? Yeah, what is that key, Django? The What's key that? that he uses beneath backspace. The anti-life key. Oh, it's we right all here. have that it's key. Just above return. It's just the, the slash or the pipe. Just he's the just hitting enter, though. Yeah, he's hitting enter. Oh. oh, he is. What's above us? Wait, enters the anti-life key the whole time? <laughs> they send a whole bunch of bad juice out there, and everyone's about to get turned into an anti-lifer, and then Barry and Wally fall out of the time stream accidentally about two weeks in the future, and Wonder Woman is a female fury, and Batwoman and Catwoman and Giganta yep. are all the female furies. Giganta, who damn if that's not a cool reveal. Who uh, Doctor Light was late for a date yeah. for in the other junkyard, and Mirror Master was making fun of him for it. And also, I think I think that the art is not great. No, it's two different strip clubs. Never mind. There's two different strip clubs in this comic. Really? There's one uh, strip tease twisters is is where in the, the prequel the yeah. dude lands, and then this when Barry the and uh, Barry and Wally stop. They're right in front of a live, live nude girls. So, I don't know what Graham Morrison or maybe J.G. Jones is trying to say, but uh, too many strip clubs in their memory to be working with. More than three X's, and they start taking off their skin, is what I heard. Ooh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> On All right, that's just one X. <laughs> We're at Superman Beyond, everybody, which cuts to that scene where the female monitor that showed up, like Django said, is trying to get Superman to come away from Lois Lane. She stopped time. She stopped time. Stop she time. stopped time. She freaking, how's she doing? How's so she doing? They can there's... What they need to accomplish in just a second. That's a soap dispenser right there. <laughs> there's something I didn't <laughs> notice. Well. You're sterile. Mm, that's not soap. That's uh, hand sand. Oh, yeah, never mind. Gotta yeah. be sterile. Gotta, gotta be, be sterile. Yes, and. Pure. Uh, uh, no, but. It's, oh. it's pure L. That's a uh, like Kryptonian. Super yeah, fucking Kryptonian. I've been waiting all fucking good. night for that, Ron. All right. Uh, so, Superman Beyond. That's your gooey duck. <laughs> Hell of a gooey duck. Gothoom. <laughs> Goom. Uh, there's, there's something that I noticed just tonight looking through this book about Superman Beyond, which was a Dark Knight Returns series. reference. It's a no. year one reference. Uh, no. Close. <laughs> no, no. Page one. Uh, is kind of a flash forward, and she says, "Tell me, Superman, what shall we engrave upon your tombstone?" Yeah. Or he is that Mandrak? Uh, that's Mandrak. If you look at the last page of the second issue, mm-hmm. what is engraved on the tombstone is to be continued. Yeah, I didn't notice that before. Like first, first and last pages reference each other, and it's also like an incredibly powerful symbolic element right. that the whole two issues were anchored around. And that idea of to be continued is sort of yeah why Superman is Superman. But it starts right there on page oh, one. Oh, yeah. That's a well-done two-issue. This is when Doug Monkey joins the series, who will ultimately step in in the final issue and a half to uh, make this book come out on time. Can I take a sidebar? Can I take a sidebar? Take a sidebar. Get on that sidebar. Issue one. Is okay. that a weed thing? Yeah, it's a... Sorry. Let's get that doob tube out. Oh, I was hoping it was a maple <laughs> bar. Um, tube. All right, everybody. Issue one. May 28th, 2008. Issue 2, June 25th, 2008. Issue 3, 
August 6, 2008. So we're monthly at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. June, okay. That one's five weeks. Issue four, 10 weeks, August 6th to October 22nd. And did these Superman books come out in between? The first one did. Okay. Um, that one came out August 27th. Okay. So three weeks after issue three, we got Superman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Then we've got a solid two months, nothing comes out, except for probably tie-in books. October 22nd, issue five or issue four, December 10th, so six weeks, issue five. Uh, issue six. It's five for Superman. Batman's killed. Yeah. 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 I think so. I or six. Yeah. I yeah. Have, yep. Uh, number six was June 14th, and number seven, two weeks later, June 28th. So the biggest gap in this was a 10 week gap in which one of these came out. I just think that that's really interesting relative to current event comics that we have a, a four week gap, a five week gap, a 10 week gap, six weeks, four weeks, and two weeks. Now we're getting, which made it even harder to remember what the heck was happening. Yeah, I can't imagine trying to do this (laughs) with that much space in between. Also, I shove a lot of stories in my brain every week. But like Doomsday Clock, you know, like just the number or like uh, any book that like Kirk Busick has been on. Okay, uh, okay, but okay, so Kirk Busick is ill. Yeah. I don't think we can blame him. Oh, I I just think that like the the number of things that people are at peace with in terms of like allowing books to be delayed with at this point right. and right now today is it, we're way more at peace with it with back then whereas like I would say aside from that 10 week thing monthly is pretty impressive and they got the final yeah. two out within two weeks of each other yeah I, I mean com- contrast that with today n- excluding Doomsday Clock um, and other books that have more meta things going on, like Batman Damned or whatever, but like um, War of the Realms? Civil War II and Secret Empire both were delayed massively. But not 10 weeks, right? Well, like All this did with they extended them. Secret Wars. Secret Wars was delayed massively. Uh, yeah, but was. not 10 weeks. 10 weeks is basically just saying, hey, you're for one month you're not getting the main book, you're getting Superman Beyond because that's as important as the main book. That's that's a, that's an extra month and a half. Has Doomsday Clock had a delay as long as ten weeks between a book? Yeah, Pretty sure it has. Yeah, we're yeah. like I think a year behind where it was supposed to be. I was thinking part. about that today and just I'm really ready to finish it. Yeah, I'm really ready to finish it too. It's, ten weeks is a lot, but Grant Morrison and Submit also came out in that time. So uh-huh. like like so there were still three, books. Yeah, there was definitely books, and Grant Morrison was still writing them. Yeah, which I think it, I I don't know. That's not a defend this book thing. I just think it's really interesting when we did All-Star Superman, when we looked at that one, there was like nine months between issues. Dude, the last issue of Planetary, Planetary was four yeah. years late or yeah. some yeah. shit. Yeah. Like it, they, it was there was one goddamn issue. Yeah. There was a year or two years between issues. <laughs> oh. and that. So like, you know, all that to say, pretty good job, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Am I proud of it? I'm not proud. No, of it. no I'm not going to say I'm proud of it. But, but I would I, drink that milk. I would put that milk in a glass and then in my mouth. And I would say this is a damn fine glass of milk. Am, Am I, I proud, proud of it? it? No. <laughs> no. Um, what happens in these Superman Beyond issues, Justin? Uh, Superman <laughs> is really cool, guys. Just the whole time. <laughs> He's got 4D vision. Yeah, yeah he sure does have 4D vision. <laughs> and he just kind of does it. Superman, uh, <laughs> yeah, she just tells him. And he's like, what's that? Okay, doing it. <laughs> he supers the fuck out of this whole situation with his other Captain super- Adam, A-D-A-M. So cool. Is, is that uh, the Dr. Manhattan analog. Analog, yeah. yeah. So the, the 
uh, monitor shows up and tells him that they need Superman. Uh, and he's like, well, I can't leave Lois's side. And she says, we're going to do this in one second. And it's going to feel longer to you. And then it takes two issues to do one second. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because she, she needs the greatest Superman to join all the other Superman from across the multiverse. Someone should do this, like, these issues, them being my favorite. I will just super jerk Superman for a billion, trillion, trillion seconds. I can just go into all the reasons why I love Superman. And these are some of the issues why I think we'll never get to what happens in these issues if if I do these issues, because <laughs> Superman is so cool. Believe it or not, these Superman issues were probably two of my favorite issues in this trade. They're yeah, maybe my favorite too. part of it as yeah, well. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, to put it in a real quick nutshell, this female monitor who is actually... Uh, the love interest of the monitor that went missing yeah. upon investigating the imperfection within the, the orrery. Um, she's assembled a team to help her, and she is trying to outrun in her ship the Ultima Thule, which is designed to look like the Yellow Submarine because the Beatles are like a, a, a primordial instance of, the, you know, like novelty in music. So mm -hmm. like uh, contacting new harmonics, which music frequency is what the entire DC universe is built upon. Um, so he's saying that like this is unique because music is DC and frequency and frequency comes into play in the Superman stuff. But uh, they're in their ship and they use music to travel through the bleed space, which is why I got us this red blend. Wine. Oh, <laughs> uh, nice! It's a nice, it's a nice weed space tie-in. Oh, that's why I just poured out the wine and put my blood in the bottle. Oh my god! <laughs> I thought it tasted a little Christ-like. Yeah. Um, but uh, there, there's a sort of team of uh, parallel reality Superman. There's like Uberman. Uh, there's Captain Adam, which Uber. is your Watchman analog. Captain Marvel's in there, and they are tr traveling through realities in the Ultima Thule trying to escape this evil ship that is piloted by Mandrak that is pursuing, uh, I forget her name, uh, Zila, Zilovala is her name. Is Mandrak, does his name mean something? I don't know, I bet I don't it's, like his name. It most, means villainous. Mo most <laughs> of these uh, monitor names that Grant Morrison made are built off or based on Kirby monitor names. Okay. Um, and I don't know how, but I looked at like this name, like Zilovala is based off of a specific name of somebody, and I couldn't, looking at the oh. letters, understand how they were related. How he did it. But somebody thought that that was a thing. He needs a Hickman chart to tell you how yeah. to name those things. Oh, careful, yeah. buddy. Careful. What if those two, Boing. what if Hickman illustrated Grant Morrison? Grant Morrison could illustrate Hickman because yeah. all of the sketches that Nick Walton has in the book are all Grant Morrison sketches that he had given J.G. Jones for the book. Um, I would like that more. In the All-Star Batman and Robin, you can see Grant Morrison's original sketches for Dick Bats and stuff, and he's good. Huh. There's Dick Bats all over that yeah. book, just <laughs> hidden in the background. Um, what I really like about this sequence as they're crashing through realities is the way that they convey moving through different worlds, like boxes within boxes and ships, ships crashing, but they ultimately fall... Uh, Ultima Thule fall on the huh. Earth of uh, Earth 51, which is the Limbo planet, and it I believe is the planet that Nixuotan let die and has become the Limbo planet. But this ship basically 51. Yeah, it is. Uh, washes ashore uh, the planet of Limbo, where nothing happens, and it's where it's very uh, Jeff Lemire Black Hammer 
and the, yeah. uh, that that yeah, land it's of it's very the trash of... planet from the Transformers movie. Oh, dare to be yeah. stupid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got um, all these Weird Al voice to Transformer. No, the, his no, song is on there. No, oh, goddamn it! Why do I ever talk about Transformers? <laughs> <laughs> well, play Django. There's another moment that made me crack up that the the king of Limbo was Merry Man from the the, the leader of the Inferior Five. Oh, we're getting a Jeff Lemire Inferior yeah. Five series in the yeah. next couple of months. Oh, it's all there you go. Lemire Keep and Ace the Bat Hound is in there too. Oh, Ace is bang. Um, and in this place, in the land of Limbo, they find the book. And I'm not sure why it's here. But in the, I guess the what library is. of everything is on this planet. And the book that is the oldest history of all reality is there. Well, it's the library of nothing. The library yeah. of nothing. Right. So it, it can be everything. And this is the ultimate forgotten thing. Yeah, it contains every book possible. Right. And that's what the big realization on this planet while they're here is, is that... Uh, if something is possible, anything is possible. And that's kind of what causes Merry Man and everyone to fight, which is the idea that if something can happen, anything can happen. And if anything can happen, that means we're in control of our destinies. But this, <laughs> this the, the book, the story that they get from this book is the story of the original Monitor uh, pursuit, like, you know, self-analyzing basically is the metaphor I think he's getting at. And in doing so, he finds infinite possibility, but also within that infinite possibility is flaw. And so they cage it off, but he becomes infected by it, and he had built this giant mechanical thing that the, in in that spot where he quarantined off this infection and built this robot, that's where his children, the monitors, uh, built their civilization, and they spent their entire existence wondering what this machine was about, and they thought that it was a giant weapon, and they realized that it was only going to uh, show itself in the end times. So, And Superman's seeing all this, right? Not yet. Okay. But... Well, Superman and, and Shazam are getting glimpses of that, right? While they're lifting the pages. Yeah. They're, they're getting... Yeah, maybe they're getting visions of it. That's possible. Because um, uh, Shazam says, you hear that, Superman? Of course you do. I and think, then it says previously. I think they're hearing the story. But yeah. maybe they're getting the visuals as well. But either way, they're about to go there and become that. Plus, they were... I feel like I should read Crisis on Infinite Earths. They're just on. You get the trade for that the show. They're just yeah, yeah like just, oh, oh my god, god. <clears throat> it's heavy in here. Yeah. Um, it's hot, my teeth are heavy. Zila Vala <laughs> is dying, but she's powering her shin. I just can't feel my legs. Oh my I got this terrible kink in my neck. The paisley's on the couch have oh, gotten god. on my skin. Not a huge fan of the weed. <laughs> just not a big oh, fan. God, smell bong water. Every time I think I even it's smell bong me. water, I just throw <laughs> up. I lose it. Blah. <laughs> uh, one time I drank bong water at a party. Oh, yeah. Threw up all over my girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> Never spoke to me Threw again. up in my beer can. <laughs> then got so drunk, I drank it again. <laughs> threw up in the beer can uh, again. Left it. Um, Superman. Zila Vala feeds off <laughs> of Uberman and... Uh, because she is a monitor and therefore a vampiric entity, and that's kind of a big part here. She feeds off Uberman. She realizes that Uberman is being uh, powered by Mandrak. She starts to become Mandrak. That's no good. Ultraman those shows thighs. up. Uberman. He's proud of those thighs. <laughs> He's proud of those thighs. Are we proud of those thighs? No. no. We don't pride ourselves on material no. things like a thigh. No. Uberman? Ultraman? Ultraman, yeah. Thigh guy. Thigh guy. Final Look at crisis. Those thighs. Yeah, <laughs> final crisis. Uh, and, and then, uh, and, uh, 
Yeah, what we realize is that opposites attract, the whole reality is built on musical frequencies, Ultraman is the exact opposite of Superman, he's from the negative version of our Earth, so their frequencies are the exact opposite, and when you get two waves or sounds of this of exact opposite amplitude, opposite amplitude, they cancel each other out and create nothing, or everything. Uh, so what happens is, Ultraman and Superman touch, and in doing so, they ascend oh. as universal constants, uh, which Captain Adam is sort of explaining to them. And they. Captain Adam does some crazy shit. He does. Yeah. He's all big. Uh, and then Superman and Uberman become this giant machine that was built, but because Superman has a stronger will, he's able to control it. And it, what pursues is a giant 3D battle uh, with a robot Superman fighting Mandrak which is what they find out, uh, the first tainted monitor that was the first to explore the Orrery of Worlds and has been feeding off of the Orrery of Worlds. And, and, and the big flaw of the monitors is that they live off of us. So, so by their existence, we are slaves to them and we are their energy source and we are going to be consumed by them and they rob our reality of, of life. Um, it, it's sort of the moral crux of the whole thing. So is this Mandrak eating all eating the 52 the orrery of worlds he's feeding off of the bleed which is the space created between the world and so when we're here and we see him hanging upside down like a good vampire is well, that yeah. is that actually happening to the orrery of worlds because this doesn't this doesn't look like the the place that we've seen the orrery before it is that place, and I, I in the script of that first issue, they're sort of describing that that world needs to be breaking down and have blood skies and show okay. old Victorian buildings that are tarnished, and this doesn't do that in this double-page spread. Blood but, skies, which are like the constant reminder that there's a crisis in the DC universe, yeah. right? Like there's there's been blood skies in most of the crises. Um, and... And uh, yeah, Superman throws Mandrak off of a thing and realizes that he's literally the embodiment of all positive potential gathered together. Like, what's better than one Superman? Every single fucking Superman. He's the Omni Superman. So, and he's pretty strong, right? He's a real strong boy. Yeah, he's yeah. real strong. Uh, he's both thigh and anti-thigh at the same <laughs> time. And so, yeah, Superman does all that, rescues all the good stuff, defeats Mandrak, throws him down, but. Mandrak and Ultraman <laughs> decide, hey, we shall nice talk again, fuck. and we're going to fuck that Superman up at some point. And that's what comes back later on, and that was what was... One of the largest complaints about this series was if you didn't read these Superman stories and Mandrak mm. showed up at the end, you had no idea who he was. Yeah, It's kind of... Yeah. It, it's good that they collect it with this and with those Batman issues, although the Batman issues seem almost superfluous to this trade to me. Mm -hmm. um, this is the center of the story, though. Yeah, yeah. this is the center of the story that looked like a two-issue spinoff that I would certainly not buy uh, yeah, me too. when it was coming the out. The first time I read it, it was before I really loved Superman. I didn't read this, so I, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I got these later after trying to get all the issues, I'm like, musical submarines? What is this shit? But I love is, it now. Is that is the Ultima Thule supposed to look like the yellow submarine? Yeah. 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 Okay. He explained that. Yeah. Oh, I, it was a very good explanation. It's a Beatles bloated. reference. I, I, okay. It's a year one reference. Oh, oh year yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> which, oh, which, year one. I read that. <laughs> which fed into... It's which like fed punching. Into, fed into metal. 
which fed into metal. Oh, yeah. metal. And, and, and Grant Morrison was really the has been the big supporter of that idea from long ago that that it is built on musical frequency and yeah. sound, and that's how Fifty Two Earths coexist, yeah. and they're all vibrating at slightly different speeds, and therefore they all have a different tune. Does anybody else have a problem with a a giant robot that can actually stand a chance against basically like a, a Uber dimensional god. Being. Well, he's a he's an idea bot. Yeah, he's an idea bot. <sighs> he's a miracle bot. And then why isn't he just slime? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he he he's he's a he's a metaphor automaton. Yeah. Oh yeah. And 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 a, and a reference to like again Silver Age goofiness with the where oh Superman doesn't have his powers for some reason he needs a big metal suit with one red eye one green eye. Yeah, he's <laughs> like a Superman Gundam fueled by the oh, yeah. yeah. E. Creative ideas of the universe. He's like the eidolon to God. And like Billy Batson points out, uh, kind of at the core of it, it's, it's all it's a love story. Mm-hmm. Not only Superman for Lois, but you know Grant Morrison for comics, all of us for yeah. comics, for stories, and for Kirby, and for Kirby, yeah, Kirby, and Kirby's love for comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In one issue, we have the Tattooed Man meets Black Lightning, and. Uh, Basically, Black Lightning is able to convince the tattooed man that he should be a good guy, and he's incredibly important. That was a long road to get there in that issue. I really <laughs> like that was. issue because it was the best Black Lightning I've ever read. Sure. Oh, yeah. and, and I guess I like that because it's a character that I like the idea, but I, I read this on the same week that Batman and the Outsiders came out, like <laughs> whenever that was a month and a half ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh, beans. This is not as good as the Morrison, like, Black Lightning character. Yeah, Black Lightning currently is not good. I guess, like... Did you watch that freaking Shodo? Well, I haven't seen the show. I mean, just in the comics. That Shodo. No on the Shodo. No Shodo. (laughs) To spend an entire issue flipping the tattooed man from bad guy to maybe not terrible guy, But then to also have all of these other things that seem to happen off panel and you just kind of see the result of it through the rest, that seems to give this Tattooed Man switch a lot of weight. And I know he, I know he's pretty important in subsequent issues, but this, this just seemed like a lot of pages to do what he's been doing in like a background of a panel. Yeah, we've got 12 issues total. Does one need to be there? Yeah, why didn't I see Commandy yeah. bouncing around in time for half of this sure. issue? What, like, why wasn't this uh, Batman yeah. Secret Files style Morrison, where you got seven pages each story? Morrison's the guy who can, you know, fit an entire novel in a thought bubble. So yeah, you know, yeah. So like, I just, I just, I'm, I'm curious about that choice because this, this issue kind of swings real hard in the other direction, and it's all kind of plot. My feeling on a lot of this, kind of starting at this point, is that like Grant Morrison was like, I've got a lot up here, and I don't think I can get it in seven down here's. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> fuck, what am I gonna do? And that, that's kind of my read on it. Okay. I, I think that around this point, things start being like, I don't think everyone is reading all of the tie-ins. I think that he assumed, like this is not the, this is 10 years ago, so this is a very mm-hmm. different event climate 11 years ago. Right. Um, and I think that he genuinely assumed that people were going to read all of it. And I think that that's an insane assumption by today's standards. <laughs> but I, I think it started being this, like, we can't do this. Like, this, this isn't all going to fit. Well, they would have read it if they'd released all of these as 
main series, maybe. Yeah, but and right. like you're saying, this would be a terrible main series issue. It also doesn't make any sense yeah. as a linchpin side issue. It would be a terrible main series issue just like that one issue of Heroes in Crisis stood out as totally different from the rest of the ser- season. Series. Issue of the year, baby. Yeah. <laughs> right? But but it, it was... it put the clutch in and did a totally yeah. different thing. Which issue was this? Which wait came to this issue? Like, bef- how long did we have to wait to get this issue? Was it after the 10 weeks? Yeah, I believe we could look at the date. I didn't look at the specific date of this one, but I believe it was in that in that 10 week period. I think Word. Superman Beyond 1 came out and then Submit came out. What the fuck is this? So this this issue has all of the, uh, like it shows the heroes communication systems for getting back and forth and, and delivering information to each other in this world that Darkseid has basically taken over. And I really like that. Like, the the Daily Planet is still active, and they've got the ray bouncing around through force fields because he's just light and actually just being a newspaper delivery boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys read the Ray series back no, in the day. No, but I day. think about you every time I see him. Um, <laughs> I've wanted to read it since you. He was he was not allowed to leave the house when he was a little kid because his dad was afraid that he was going to get sunlight and, and manifest his powers. So to have him being a newspaper delivery boy is kind of cool because that, that was something he couldn't have had mm. in an era that he, you know, by all rights should have done that. See, Django, this book is worth it. That yep, it that panel, that panel changed my See, mind. Django, <laughs> you got me. We're got all more convincing is working. What's what's two days later? Ah, oh, fuck! It's giant dogs again. Oh, dead giant <laughs> dogs. Yeah, dead. Though. yeah. Long, yeah Romans. Yeah, but they're dead. The That's Doom even Patrol. worse. Along with the Doom Patrol at that point and Mr. Bones. Oh, Mr. Bones. Yeah. Oh, Natch. The big thing oh, in that issue Blue. is that Dan, <laughs> Dan Turpin. Turpin finally surrenders the fight against Darkseid and allows him to take over God him, which it. is what it takes for a new god to be born into this world is the uh, sacrifice of an otherwise uh, holistically good being. Which, reading about Dan Turpin in the first few issues of this, I I, I took issue with him. He may be dirty, he has a dirty exterior, but he's got a lion heart of gold. Super muck Yeah, he just didn't, he was was a smoker. Can't be a good guy. Yep, you're right, actually, no, he's totally right. He's totally right. Ben Grimm, Nick Fury, they were smokers. Yeah, come on. He's out, he takes everything that he cares about the world, internalizes it, and tries to kill himself slowly because he loves the world so much. That's Dan fucking Turpin, take that back. (laughs) Dan Turpin. Yeah. What do you guys- one more time. Is he proud of smoking? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) What do you guys think of uh, Wonder Woman's mask? In this, is great. it a mask? I gotta find a good panel of it. There aren't any because it's really gross looking. What oh, else would it be? Well, big nose and <laughs> is it is it a mask or did her face deform? No, I think it's a mask. A mask. Okay. All a mask. It looks like something out of uh, 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 Mad Max. Out of that, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I like that they turned Green Arrow into the Man in the Iron Mask. I just want to say that now that we're here, like just when we were talking about doing this, you were going to be the guy who hadn't read it, and I knew mm-hmm. Django wasn't doing a lot of work. You know, in the month to like try and figure out what's going on, and and Roman wasn't going to be on this, so like I did an insane amount of work to try and guide us through that, like through this book, and it, it's less necessary. So I'm sorry to talk as much as I am. Oh, I was no, just trying no. to like, I wanted to have a map to get through this, and I didn't think that really any of us were going to, and I also didn't have it beforehand. So right, I I didn't read it all because I'm a schlub. Well, no, but you you read way more today than I thought you were going to, which is why right. I thought yeah. I was gonna go in blind, but then I was like, fuck, this is a book you don't want. Like I I cannot remember. You know, it was probably ten years ago I read this the last time, um, or at least like seven now, I guess six or seven. Um, long enough. 
A long um, time. So I, I binged half of it in one sitting. And Gosh. So be like on. So all these little sketches here, Grant Morrison sketches? Yeah, those are the sketches that's, that he did in his that's journal. That's sweet. I really yeah. like his. And they Photoshop Whoa, did you just dump issue. ahead like two issues? Oh, no, I, that's I don't this know. next one. No. Yeah. Oh, there it is. God, I love this next one, too, with the butler did it, the Batman issue. Okay, that's jumping ahead. Oh, uh, sorry. The, we spent this whole sort of next issue with, at the Battle of Bloodhaven. Um, we've got Calabac. Green Lantern is acquitted of his crime because, obviously, Kraken is an out, like, is, is yeah, granny Yeah, they had framed Green Lantern. Um, there's this awesome checkmate conversation with checkmate and Renee Montoya where they're basically saying like, yeah, we've got a, a last move in this human game and it shows the OMAC things, but they're saying like, we've got the Black Gambit and they don't clearly explain what the Black Gambit is here. But, uh, Dude, I didn't I didn't realize that it was Maxwell Lord OMAX. That's, that's really cool. Also, they have this really weird, gross, like do-it-yourself assembly kit yeah. for the OMAX. Yeah, and that's straight out of... Kirby's first issue of OMAC. Yeah, it's on the back of Jeff's uh, picks yeah. thing uh, down at the counter. It's like this. I didn't put that there. It's like this horrible build your own woman setting concrete. It's it's one of the most disturbing pictures I think I've ever seen. Man, there's all these like self flagellation marks with this bondage Wonder Woman, which I think is interesting given Wonder Woman's origin and, right. and Grant Morrison's interest in in that. Um, but this this next issue. Um, Hal's acquitted after the honor guards guy and Kyle show up and Granny goes straight aggro on him. Checkmate explains its existence. Nixu Oton uh, in the don't I think I misspelled that word. Oh, so the big part of this issue is that at the end, Nixu Oton is in a, a prison cell <clears throat> tank that is filled with other people that are immune to the anti-life equation. There's two other people. I love that sequence of them talking about, you know, it's almost impossible to solve the Rubik's Cube in under 18 moves. And Nixu Oton is trying to remember this previous life that he can't quite remember that's plaguing him. And he's got these drawings of these characters that he does. And this chimp, who is actually the pirate chimp sidekick from Multiversity. Mm. If you remember that pirate chimp sidekick of Nixu Oton, who's the protagonist of Multiversity, oh. is is this chimp and the other person in this this room? <laughs> I don't like that noise, Roman. Just made. let's is, uh, take it back. Is Metron? So as soon okay. as Nixu well, I've, been, Oton, I've been meaning to ask Jeff, who is this chimp? That's the, well, well I this hairy it was guy. I thought it was the shaggy man chimp. or something. I thought it was Detective Chimp, who you would have known about. It's not. Yeah. Um, as soon as he remembers Weijadell's name, the crippled person with the Rubik's cube solves the Rubik's cube in 17 moves, and thus ushers uh, ushers in the the fifth age. Gods as men, the new gods are all here. But at the same time, Darkseid has uh, is Darkseid is <laughs> half just under half of the population, um, and he's talking about how when he speaks, he speaks with three billion hands. When he sees, it is with six billion eyes. Uh, which I think is just such an awesome, like, World War II thing, like Hitler and shit. Okay, two things. One one of the things that I think is really important in this issue is that we find out that, uh, isn't this the one where we find out that if you draw this design on your face, mm. you're you're immune to the anti-life equation? Very mm-hmm. possibly. Um, or the one before this. But, yeah, like, the, the circuit. Yeah, you draw the circuit, and that's, like, that's part of uh, Miracle Man's... Costume yeah, design and that's how you escape. The fallen devil god is dragging us down with him into a deep, dark hole in time with no light, no hope, and no escape. That's where I come in, Mr. Terrific, or Mr. Terrific. You see this pattern we all painted on our faces? Tell your people to do the same. I I really liked that. Um, also, if 
I know this is probably only going to be a discussion for Django and Roman, but this thing where Darkseid has taken over half of the population like he, like he has is basically what Starro does, mm. right? <laughs> but he puts a star on people's face instead of needing an anti-life equation. Mm. Yeah, oh. yeah. I and, love Starro. And they act in a similar way, like, like hive mind zombie sort of movements. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I like and the circuit on the faces because we saw Anthro was the first one to do that back when Commandy showed up. Oh God! Anthro was painted. Hang on, let me flip back up. After he did seven hundred. Yeah, after he did the just there it is. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. the circuit. Yeah. Um. Yes, I think it's interesting. So in this point, all the Green Lanterns start falling towards Earth, but they don't because of the Alpha Lantern. The the Guardians of the universe, the Guardians, whatever those green yeah. little aliens are called. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Krona Protocol, universe. which is the crazy guardian, right? Krona. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So they have Krona Protocol, which which takes the giant lantern and puts it into a pocket reality, which is why all these lanterns have to ultimately fall to Earth because they can't use their rings to fly there. Because they'll run out of juice. And time and space is collapsing around it, so they know that gravity is denser there, so they can just fall into it, but they can't like speed up up to do it which is so anyway that's that issue Batman issues <laughs> well I think I really like the second one and didn't really like the or the, really like the first one and didn't love the second one as much I was so pissed because before I wanted to read Final Crisis I wanted to get caught up on Batman that's why I got into comics as an adult and like these two issues were ones that I got and like just with no context <laughs> right. trying to read these was like what the Fuck? With context, it's even kind of touch and go. <laughs> yeah, these were wild issues. It basically just kind of takes you through Batman's like fever dream while he's trapped by Mr. Simeon and, uh, yeah, and Lobo-Eyes guy. But the big reason and the way that he's able to get out of this is that Alfred is not Alfred. Like, Alfred isn't the voice of unrelenting support and love for him. So you can it's tell that the wrong person was writing Alfred. Yeah. Like, this isn't being constructed. So the Lump, which is a classic Jack Kirby villain who, you know, traps people's consciousness in a, you know, a machination of their own, a has done that will. with a lump, a lump <laughs> of their own, has done that with Batman, and he gets out because he's Batman. Don't you have some things to say about Batman? Um, Batman. <laughs> Make me stop talking. <laughs> they do the punching thing. He did the thing earlier with the Alpha Lantern. That was uh, good. There ain't no friggin' bat. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch that movie with you one day, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. Uh, this, I, I got nothing, man. These, these are some weird issues. I just want to get to the miracle machine. You know what I love about these <laughs> issues is how Lee Garbett, who drew both of them, is able to kind of ape the style of each artist because it's basically flipping through Batman's life, like you're flipping through Golden Age, Silver Age, Modern Age. Uh, comics and it's it's real quick flashes, just a panel or two each to show you what's going on. But as you get to like um, these these pages look a whole lot like the uh, oh. Alan, what is his name? Death on the Family. Yeah, or, like or no, um, George Perez. Those issues. Yeah, the sure the George Perez issues. <laughs> um, when you get a little bit further, there's like Bane breaking his back, and it looks a lot like somebody doing a, a good imitation of Jim Aparo. Um, the Joker, like his his style just changes super drastically. Oh yeah, that that is that yeah. is a Norm Brave. Is it? 
Yeah, because Jim Aparo wasn't doing Batman when he got his back broken. Jim Aparo drew the fucking issue that Batman's back got broken in. Yeah, it's really? the biggest disappointment. I believe it was <laughs> G- uh, Mazzuchelli, right? Uh-huh. No, that's yeah. a year one. That's <laughs> oh, a year that's one reference, guys. Good one. Um, but just like reading this, he, he's able to evoke each era of Batman really well. The yeah. end. And, no, then get, totally... and then they get these two pages with all the like tiny little panels. That was a lot of fun where Batman confronts the lump. And it's Lee Garbit. Garbit. What has he done since? Sky is still around? Oh. He drew Skyward? Yeah. Wow, he's the Cool. I can see that. Yeah, which wow. is like, I feel like the inking and the coloring is the thing that drastically makes that different, but like the art is there. Like they're, it's, it's surprising. All of these, uh, these, these tiny panels on these pages make me think that uh, at some point they're like, oh fuck, we're out of pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> squeeze, squeeze six is pages this into this. Is this a story or is this a Batman story? <laughs> what is this what thing do I do? that we're writing, Grant? <laughs> But he gets out of it, everybody. He gets out of it. It's in his contract. It's in his contract. All right, Justin, where are we now? Where are we now? How to Murder the Earth by Grant Morrison. J.D. <laughs> Jones. Uh, time. Well, the, the, as a matter of time, Superman is in some... Where is Superman? Is he going to get the Miracle Machine this is, with yeah. Super Brainiac from year... Yeah, Brainiac 5 from the Legion of Superheroes. Right story. after the whole thing, before he comes back, Brainiac 5. And this is in... Le- uh, Legion of Three Worlds, the miniseries. Okay. They, they fight Superboy Prime. The first right. three pages only take 72.4 seconds to happen. Yeah. Yeah, then what does happen? Nobody fucking knows. <laughs> Superman memorizes how the machine works in like half a second because yeah. Brainiac's screaming at him to just look at it. Well, because Superman's all hyped up on his super juice. He's got yeah. the 40 perception. And that's the kind days. of thing Superman could do back in back in the day. That's what I like is Superman's like super smart in Grant, when Grant Morrison writes him. Like he can yeah. do all this crazy super stuff that we couldn't do because he's got a super brain. But he still gets all fucked up with kryptonite around. Oh, yeah, he do. Chump. Yeah. Couch lock. Um, <laughs> I don't feel very good, guys. I think I smoked too much. Oh, Oh, God. God. I've never smoked meat again. Oh, my God. My overbite. Um, It just keeps clicking. It's it's huge. It's so big. How did it get so big? It hurts, though. (laughs) So, uh, in this issue, um, Desaad inside Mary Marvel is defeated by Shazam, who, or Black Adam, I can't remember. Who grabs her and says Shazam and the lightning strikes her and it reduces Mary Marvel back to her normal form, which to me echoed Miracle Man. Yep. Alan Moore's Miracle Man. And and she's like, I'm never saying that word again. Mm -hmm. And it's like when young Miracle Man was forced to turn back into a person. He had been being the evil young Miracle Man all of that time. Which, there's several, I think, direct references to Moore in here, but he's said that they're not, which I think is that... Great little brother syndrome. That prickly fucks. Has. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> this is the issue where doesn't doesn't um, Tommy Mary Tommy. Marvel as Desaad call somebody a slut? Yeah. Yeah. Is it, okay. So that's Desaad doing that, which yeah. seems weird to me. Yeah, it's also Grant Morrison doing it, which isn't necessarily the best either. Hang on, let me go back to that Superman issue where we find out that this is all just a story in a comic. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's a lot of fan service in this in this issue too. I mean, I love that fight between uh, Taki Tani and yeah. Calabac, except it's Calabac and one of the tiger bodies. Both of the fans of Taki Tani are in this are serviced <laughs> in this. <laughs> <laughs> 
No limit on the amount of fans you need for fan service. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, Roman. <laughs> Dokitani kills Kalabak, which is pretty cool. Yep. God. So this is kind of the turning of the war, right? It yeah. seems like the good guys are about to win. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Um, and it seems like Lex Luthor is about to turn on Libra. Yeah. Well, he does. In this issue. Yeah. Yep. The Black King of Checkmate shows Montoya the Black Gamut, which is a plan to repopulate a dead Earth with our own Earth at a time of de devastation when our Earth is going to die. And Lord Eye is sort of are these text bubbles, and that's Brother Eye using Maxwell Lord's psychic powers. Uh, then Batman, in the ultimate act of defiance of his character, shoots the Radeon bullet that they found that had been shot back through time, which we didn't really talk about how awesome that concept is, but a bullet was shot backwards through time that killed Orion, which started this whole thing. Wasn't that how Captain America got shot and came back too? This like is... within two months of this? Yeah, I, I don't know. It, I... it was like parallel time LMD? bullets. Oh, was it a time, was that a time bullet? It, it, was, it was Captain America, whole... it was a time bullet thing parallels, then Bucky yeah. becomes the dude, and mm. yeah, the whole thing has a weird parallel. Yeah. Well, in DC, yeah. mm -hmm. separated the womb. Yep. Uh, Batman shoots the Radeon bullet at Darkseid, which is, yeah, the original dark like bullet that Darkseid would fire later on in this series, thus ensuring his own fate. He shot this bullet, which is the only bullet that can kill him, because it's the only bullet that can kill a god, because it's radioactive to a god. Batman shoots him, but only after being hit by the Omega Sanction, which looks In like fact, it kills him. What? It does kill him. Which, in fact, sends him back in time. Yeah. Spoilers. Like, yeah, just oh, like yeah. the bullet. Django, it's all right. There's a final page that Edward made him put in that shows that he's not dead. Yeah. Did you guys know that I read all of the fucking Return of Bruce Wayne after Me I finished too. this? Oh, To find out what happened? Recently? Pretty recently, wow. yeah. Yeah. And? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read it alternating the Batman and Robin issues? Hell no. It goes from fine to pretty good. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the way that it came that out. That much more sense. Yeah. That little. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, Superman shows back up <clears throat> after Darkseid has been shot by Batman, and then Batman quote unquote dies. Okay, hang on. Or I falls into a lake. Who knows? That's <laughs> my point. Rest in peace, mm -hmm. Batman. This is about where I started. Losing the train here. Is Darkseid actually dead? Did Batman beat him? Darkseid is shot with Radeon, which is a cancer-causing thing for gods. So he is going to die, and he didn't need to shoot okay. him anywhere fatal, but Radeon will kill a god. Yeah. Okay. And in a couple pages, or maybe the next issue, we see the final essence of Darkseid still sort of making <clears throat> a play, but he's not dead yet. Superman okay. shows up, he blows up Command D in a huge fit of rage that we don't understand, that clearly surprises Supergirl, until we see that he emerges with the dead body of Batman from Command D. And he's and holding him just like... Uh, just like he held Supergirl. Yeah, right. from the, cri the from that OG crisis. Hmm. Hmm. Yep, with the red skies behind him and everything. Hmm. He's not crying this time, though. He just looks stern. He's just bummed. <laughs> That's his buddy. Man, Justin, if I had to hold your dead body. Fuck. God. Or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Either one of you better fucking cry. I'd probably <laughs> yeah. cry. I'd also be really bummed that your clothes just don't fit. Like, yeah. look at his ribs. Come on. Yeah. 
eat or something, Batman. Or how Alfred Taylor better. I think he's got SIBO. What's interesting in this issue is in those final pages, uh, Doug Monkey has taken over art for the issues. And, and we're glad about that. We are. Yeah. Okay, so in the very first page of the so next issue, the final issue, which has Superman on the cover, yeah, um, we start with a Watchmen reference. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He said that that. Yeah, he said that that's not. Which it, that's the big one. That he was just not? like, no, I was just trying to channel like the the people that when the end times are going to be our. If out it's there, not. Yeah. If it's not a Watchmen reference, you say the end is near. Yeah. If yeah. it's a Watchmen reference, you say the end is nigh. So you know I, this boat, same boat. Shut the fuck up, Grant Morrison. Whoa. Admit it. Admit oh, it. Yeah, yeah. I think he'd be the first to admit that he likes Alan Moore. Yeah, I also think yeah. he's probably sort of like we can't do that, or he'll get mad at us right. again. Yeah. Say again, he'll, or he'll Alan Moore will he's out there. Yeah. He'll send the owls and, after and me. Can, and yeah, and he can that's obviously Snyder. argue it because of course that phrase existed before Watchmen. But. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, beards. <laughs> I love the concept of a Superman president. Yeah, yeah, and I we love all that. love that concept, Django. That, yeah. <laughs> God damn it! Why am I reading this? <laughs> uh, and that's one of the main characters of Multiversity. Yep. In the final issue of Final Crisis, Roman, what do you got here? Oh man, this is. Uh, I love this. Whatever this ship that horn. That is literally thing the text. That, whatever that, it is. <laughs> Is that? Oh, it is actually. Yeah, because I don't know. If, is that from uh, kind of Mobius or from the Beatles or both? I mean, th th it's just beautiful. Well, Mobius created the Beatles back ah. in time, so they could invent instruments. They so used to they smoke play big old dubers together. Dubers. Okay, so in this one, the the kind of the the finale of everything, Captain Marvel and the Superman and the multiverse show up. Um, I really liked that. And they're a ton all really of Supermans strong. from the multiverse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was fun trying to guess like exactly the combos in here, because I think Ooh, yeah. like majestic from images in there. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. Wow. There's a lot oh, of man. stuff there, going. There's on. a lot going on. Uh, there's something going on with this this platform in space that's I think defending against the bleed falling apart. It's the Watchtower. It's the final spot spot in our reality that still exists as time and space are crumpling. Okay, and it looks like uh, is Prime in there? Power Girl and and the Frankenstein monster and Starman or Starboy from the future mm. are there, uh, kind of like maintaining the watch. But then the Metal Men show up from a different reality. Thank God. Where <laughs> are these? The robots from Superman One Million or from <clears throat> Justice League One Million that Grant Morrison oh, did? Are they, they the maybe. robot? I Justice think League? so. Yeah. It describes them as. The metal men of Earth 44 and their human leader, Doc Tornado. Okay. Which I think. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Because I'm just going to shit on things. No, because I think, I think they shit, kind bro? of retroactively <laughs> Morrison combined some things. I got a Mobius strike. Like these were shit from in. One Million, maybe. <laughs> yeah, because originally. He wrote one million, but, yeah. but then he incorporated them into his <laughs> reworking of the 52 worlds, the 52 multiverses. Jeff. Yes. Earlier today, we were talking about <laughs> Scott Snyder. Is this about Mobius poop? No, I mean you heard it. You heard it here this, first. Kids. This is Mobius poop. We were talking about Scott <laughs> Snyder. Yeah, and how you and I think you and Justin were discussing the way that he has kind of looped everything back to his creations, like Court of the Owls, and oh yeah, like the, 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 the Batman, the yeah. Batman clones from the far future, and like how yeah. stupid that is. I don't think that's stupid. That was not what I said at all. But yeah. 
He just has a tendency. He just has to a tendency a to be like, remember this thing that I came up with. Ow. That's what he's doing here. Like that's what Grant Morrison is doing here. If he's bringing in shit from one issue of DC, one fucking million well, that he wrote, I don't know. I don't know if that, that, is, that they is. They just yeah. look similar. It, it, he's saying the Metal Men of Earth forty four. But but he's doing that a lot. That in this to me whole sounds book. as much like a brand new concept that he's just saying DC everything Earth forty four. Their Metal Men are these like that. Yeah, I think he made a alloy, if you will, of <sighs> some different concepts, maybe from that and maybe. The metal men of Earth. He's also super good at throwaway characters. Like Grant Morrison yeah. can shit yeah. a superhero out in a Mobius strip like no. Yeah, I mean that's one what he did with else. the Super Young team. I mean, yeah. But he's also, I don't know, he's bringing a lot of stuff around from his his far back characters, right? I don't see an Animal Man in here. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that that is a, like really a thing going on here. All There's of definitely all stuff. of the uh, Seven Soldiers of Victory. I was just but was say that, that on purpose? Definitely. Yeah, but that was like right before this. Yeah, it, it was like I, I think yeah, that it's, kind of the series that lead into this. I think is uh, his Seven Soldiers of Victory, the Starlin's Death of the New Gods, um, and his Mister Miracle series, and Morrison's Mister Miracle series. All right, I retract my Mobius seven, seven strip soldiers. shit. I want to read Seven Soldiers, Final Crisis, then Multiversity because they all have character overlaps and overlays mm. that probably make it one. I soup. dare you. On the Do you topic, think I would make it off the couch afterwards? Not if you uh, <laughs> I just galaxy brain. Not if you're it. just puffing cotton man. off fucking. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just cheaping that queen herb. Not really a big fan of the weed. Oh. <laughs> There's mother spirits in me oh, right oh, now. Oh my god! I can't feel my knees. I'm dubbed up. They're glowing balls of light. Oh. <laughs> what does it mean if you can see your knees but not feel them? What I, I my knees are behind let's, me. Let's do this hail mary pass at the very end here. Um, reality uh -huh. is falling apart. The Black Gambit is to move the entire population to Earth 51, but oops, that's the dead planet. Fuck. We can't We picked the wrong one, that. guys. So in a sort of time capsule that they send through time, the beginning of time, they make this ship, or this, this time capsule in Superman's ship with all these moments. They send off in case they don't make it. They do make it, though, because the miracle machine that Superman found that had been given to them by the controllers, which all fits, um... He sings the perfect note of song, of hope. He asks, like, what song it is. He's like, what song is it to you? Uh, which I, it was a very Grant Morrison Chopsticks. Thing. Yeah, it's chopsticks. <laughs> um, but he sings this ultimate... Well, okay, sorry, fuck. Here comes I just the jumped sun. ahead. Uh, Darkseid Dark Side dies. He doesn't sing it. Darkseid dies because the flashes who have escaped into time are being chased by the Black Racer, run right to Darkseid, right as he takes aim to shoot the gun that's going to kill Orion. He shoots the bullet, and in doing so, opens up that time stream that they're stuck in that the Black Racer is chasing because the Black Racer is going to kill Orion. Um, and they're following the flashes, and the flashes are running right to Darkseid, and they dodge Darkseid the last minute, and the Black Racer, Racer takes Darkseid because he's dying of radiation poisoning instead of Orion and instead of anybody else, thus ends Dark side, but not the end of check the story. Mate. Checkmate. <laughs> Although still not the black checkmate that we've been reading so much about. Um, Is that that's the same scene that we finally got to see Blue Devil in? Oh, Blue Devil you, in this are you a big fan? You a I'm big Blue Devil, Devil hammer? Dude, I'm a big Blue Devil boy. We're like, have we not talked about this? Yeah, yeah. Am Devil's I proud of Blue Devil? Right there. Do There's I Blue like Devil, him? guys? I yeah. love him. <laughs> The big thing is that then the ray makes the giant circuit. Which another great ray moment. 
on the earth. Yeah. yeah this yeah. seems like Grant Morrison is writing directly to, to you. you. He wrote Rep- three, he wrote three or four panels directly like, for me. You don't like when <laughs> a guy references his own work and shits upwards and downwards at the same time, but you love when Frank Miller is referenced in anything. Yeah, but he's not You're referencing reference himself. King, baby. You are the reference king. <laughs> you I are also, a Mobius strip. Listen, I was I was just uh I was going on the attack. That's yeah, all. Yeah, you Don't worry about get it. Out of this Don't worry one. about You're it, guys. Forever, my friend. <laughs> oh, it's a Mobius strip. Man, they realize reality's crumbling. They freeze everybody, shrink them down into these cute little trays. Uh, oh, hero and, trays. And uh, at the end of time, at the end of space, the idea of dark side um, taunting it's... Superman. He's izzing. Yeah, he's izzing. All he's over izzing the place. all over the place. He sings the final song to offset the balance, and that sort of same <laughs> metaphor for the balancing of uh, of uh, opposing frequencies. Kills Darkseid, Mandrax shows up. All of the Superman and all of reality, the epitome of every positive thing. What's how do you beat the ultimate bad, the ultimate good, every possible Superman? That's Even, a pretty good moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Supermans, yeah. We got Majestic, Midnighter and Apollo. We got Apollo yeah, there. Apollo, Apollo, you got the carrot guy minus the rabbit. There's the carrot, the zoo crew does come back though. Oh, yeah, the the There's the modern African American Superman and the '70s African American yes. Superman. Love him. There's and where's Prime in all there's this? Even, there's even like a like Optimus? 55 year old grumpy Superman. All of the new gods go to Earth 51. That's where the Earth gods go because, or the new gods go because our, it couldn't support our life there. Uh, the monitors are alive. But Nick Wotan, who's now in charge, says no. We got to put this to bed, and he wakes up in our reality and. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, Bruce is at the beginning of time with Anthro as he's about to die. And to me, all of that at the very end is what, the really thing that happens is he uses the miracle machine and they say, what did you do? And it's, it's powered off of idea and Superman says, I wished for a happy ending. And that's to me where like the mechanics of this final issue are hard to track and they are there. And like there's a long interview with Graham Morrison and he kind of explains all of it. He's like, it's all there. Like you can you can figure it out if you want. If also you, if you just know how to read, you'll understand everything also, I've ever done. Which is at the beginning of the podcast where you had said that was difficult. <gasps> I said that was difficult for you. Um, but that idea of just he used a miracle machine to make a happy ending. He re-put the earth into the spot that it was supposed to be. He repopulated the earth because this ultimate powerful thing was able to create a happy ending. Which is, again, that theme of the power of story, trope, and possibility. Nothing is impossible when you're telling stories. That's, that's how people have taught lessons. That's how we live um, and grow and change. Yeah, the, the miracle machine is a metaphor for Graham comics themselves. All right, I'm done. I'm you really, guys do it. I'm really glad you guys like this comic. Yeah. I thought I would like it more after talking about this. I like it <laughs> and less. I fucking hate it. I, this this took me in exactly the opposite direction of what I expected. <laughs> uh, but I'm really glad that there are that that, that it works for some people. Um, and it I would really works, baby. Yeah, it churns my crank. I think yeah, I think I that's awesome. The worm. I swallowed the worm. I would I would never put this in somebody's hand to recommend it, but I would put them in your hands to recommend that's it. That's why it's on our shelves, baby. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't. Try to recommend it that often. Like, I, I, Ryan, you got it. Um, that's because we were going to be talking about it and everything, but like, I don't recommend this. I will tell people it's my favorite event comic, but I don't ever try to get people to read it because I don't think it, it would take people saying that they like a certain pocket of books for me to be like, yeah. well, this is a good thing for you because it's not, it's not for everybody. It's not even for most people. It's, it's, it's a, a pretty unique thing, but. It's, I think, exactly like that Graham Morrison quote that I opened it with, which is just like, 
if you're tired of a lot of things being done a certain way, this is a salve for that. Like it's a, mm-hmm. it's a very different thing. It also has been, a, I think, a very hard book to do a podcast about. Oh, just my because God, it's, everybody. It's so complex and yeah. there's so much context and uh, like historical information. Just to even be able to discuss it, you have to explain um, Crisis on Infinite Earths. You have to have like a certain amount of knowledge for all these characters that have come from Jack Kirby and things that happened in in issues that like none of us have even read. Not in a bad way, but when I was reading this, I really like it was dated in the way that like it makes so much more sense for the context of the current state of the DC universe in 2008. Like it was post yeah. Infinite Crisis, which was post this crisis, but it was leading pre into New Fifty Two. Yeah, like it makes so it, you know, it's so indicative of where the industry and DC Universe because of that in the late two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think it has like obviously tons of universal appeal, and it is talking about bigger things, but it's so much a product <clears throat> of like. The industry, you know, DC was also kind of reinventing itself, and they really wanted to do a crisis book where it seemed really dark and grim and rebirthing the heroes again. Like, he wanted to write something that seemed like the heroes couldn't come back from, and then they could. You right. know, like, he wanted to try to make the darkest crisis there was, so he went super, super meta. And, and all they needed was a miracle machine. But isn't that what, like, every story is? Yeah. Like, right. isn't, isn't Deus Ex Machina, like, kind of... The thing isn't everything kind of. A, I mean, every story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Did anybody stay dead in this? Did Darkseid stay dead? Nothing ever ends, Jacob. No, because wasn't he reborn in that Justice League run? Oh well, yeah, it, uh, Wonder Woman's kid or Wonder Woman's sister's kid. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean, when Superman used the Miracle Machine to rebuild everything, did he rebuild it better without Darkseid, or did he re- did he put everything back to where it belonged? He put it back to where it was, as I understand it. And okay. then the new gods are now on a different Earth. and Not above the Earth. I don't really 100% know the relationship of the fourth world to our world. Like, I know that they are living ideas, especially as Grant Morrison represents it, but I don't know that that's how Kirby represented it. I think that they are above the multiverse. They are things that are can be in any reality at once. And definitely the monitors are above right. the new gods. Even. Right. Um, so, so if he put the new gods on Earth-51, then Merry Man and his merry band of weirdos is fucked. <laughs> Yeah, because well, they're just going to well, turn that into new Genesis. They've filled space. Like, aren't they still? Well, aren't they still in limbo? Aren't the monitors limbo kind of a Earth foil for us? Different, aren't they? Earth fifty one became. Oh, limbo. you're right. I'm sorry. Oh, there's something. I, you're I, wrong. Okay, I'm not. No, not you, Roman. Hey. I'm. I'm not sorry. I retract it all. <laughs> okay, you're right, Jeff. I don't. I don't accept. Yes. Oh um, God, I want to go to sleep. <laughs> Grant Morrison just says like he wanted to have the discussion of the beginning. He wanted to start with Anthro and he wanted to end with Commandy. He wanted to have the entire span of the entire DC universe and put it in the most extreme situation it could, and then see what his imagination would come up with, given the tools of reading DC comics for his entire life, allowing himself to be the tool of the DC universe. How would it get out of it? And he says, finally, I wanted to wrap all of that up inside the final story of the Monitors and explain their strange relationship with the DC multiverse in a kind of mythic origin story inspired by the basic conflict that defines my job. 
the war between the white page or the void and the ink or the multiverse of possibilities. And I think that that is the coolest fucking quote. Yeah. Which is like what every artist, when they sit down to do it, whether it's building a house or making a meal or making a comic or writing a song, like it's that war of creating something that didn't exist there. Like you're overcoming the void and God, into the abyss every time. Yeah, and that ties into Morrison's, I mean, ties into his work on Animal Man. That, that same war. That's cool. Can I make a prediction? Yeah. If we were all to score this book, mm. the sum of our scores would be Roman's age, 36. <laughs> <laughs> 10, 10, 10, and 6? Yep. <laughs> That's yeah. what I think. Whoa. The only, the only downside for this, no plastic, man. Not even one panel. No plaz. They, no gave, plaz. they got Blue Devil. <laughs> yeah, they got Blue Devil. They even got Red Devil. They got Blue Devil. They got <laughs> Captain Carrot. Love him. And they forgot Plastic Man. Maybe he just doesn't like like stretchy characters. Like elongated, elongated man isn't there either. That's true. All I don't of, want the rubbery guys. Get them out of no here. Rubbery guys. They're not concrete enough. I'm allergic. Um, all of that is a way to get through this story. I think those are the stepping stones of getting from the beginning to the end of this story and understanding kind of what happened. That, to me, is a thing that I put together in the last like couple of weeks. And is what I've never 100% gotten out of that story, and what it's not, what's not important about that story to me. Um, like that's what happened on the surface, but what this story is is everything beneath that and above that, and it's stuff that I got and enjoyed out of it a long time ago. And I don't think understanding, I think the beauty of this book is that every time I'll read it, it'll mean something different to me. I read this a month and a half ago, and this morning I was like, "Fuck, I need to know what happened at the end of that book because I don't, I can't." Like what happened at the end never sticks with me because it's not important. You know, it's it's this idea it's the of the journey. Yeah, of what story and possibility is. So I'm super sorry that if that was a, just a throw up of things, um, didn't know how to have this conversation. I think people listen to this podcast for our mellifluous voices oh, more true. than more one. than the words that You've we say. Oh yeah. Um, Chingo, I can hear your glasses on your face, even though you don't—you're not wearing them. He did say mellifluous. Yeah, he did. I can't tell if I'm supposed to like, Django. like, like push my glasses back up, no, or no, you no. sound if like you're an ambulatory like boondoggle. A... Oh, <laughs> callback! I think reading this as a group uh, is a good thing. Issue by issue, or like as a no, just like no. discussing no. this Sitting in a circle, in... reading it out loud until from start to finish. Script pages, baby. Yeah. <laughs> just, just reading it and discussing it together. I think. Each of us finds an, a different little oh, nugget. nugget in there. Django that, finds whoa. an angle on shit I don't see yeah. every week. Absolutely. I wasn't fishing for that, but I'll take it. Listen, I got to protect you. <clears throat> That's my job. Right? <laughs> I got to protect that ego of yours. I don't. Yeah. I've said way too much. So everybody else, if you want to do a sign off or something, I'm going to go drink some water with some lemon. I'm Django. And I'm glad that Batman came back eventually. It would be sad without Batman forever. I mean, that without Batman, of the it would it would be awful. <laughs> Never mind. That's like we're starting talking about Transformers. I'm Scooby Doobert. I'm. Uh, oh, yeah, what are happening? Uh, yeah, what's Doobert? the what's the you know the it's not Optimus Prime, but it's the Transformers control after that. Rodimus Prime. Thank you. Yeah. I'm Shockwave. Oh, I I I know. Simon oh. Gath. I was goofing. Okay. I was goofing on Django. Huh? The zombie Simon Gath. Oh, Simon Garth. No, it's a Gath on a Thirth. Yeah, how many Thirths <laughs> would you give it? Um, oh, that's another callback. How many Quapos? <laughs> Eight Quapos.
we've lost it. Yeah. We've, we've Sorry, everybody. Lost the thread. We'll, we'll do a better one next time. Infinite quapos side by side, folding on each other and multisecting. Oh. Tesseract quapos. Tesseract quapos. <laughs> They're bigger on the inside. Quaperacts. You needed to be here. It's ten thirty. We gotta go to bed. We gotta, oh my god. We gotta oh be my here god. At the same time. That was was that uh, Roman uh, pretending to be Alan Moore merged. With Moiged. Alan Moore is Ultraman, Grant Morrison is Superman, yeah. and yeah. they form a giant <laughs> multicolored eye robot. Um, Moore. I don't know how I'm going to edit this fucking thing. Yeah, you're, you're I screwed. I don't know what I'm going to do. You're screwed. Cool. See you there. <laughs>